We're in a situation where we have put together, and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. I don't care if you think I'm Satan reincarnated. The latest on an alleged plan to assassinate Donald Trump. This man grabbed by police at a packed rally in Las Vegas, and ABC's Pierre Thomas has new details in Washington. Weighing up the mood of conservative America in a gun show in West Virginia. Among the rifle racks and ammunition, there's anger and dark talk of looming conflict. We are witnessing a radicalization of libertarians all across the country. We have just received word that libertarian death squad are taking over. We have come to take our country back. He also worries that civil war could be on the way back. Her son, 19-year-old Horace Lorenzo Anderson, was shot and killed inside the then cop-free zone that persisted for weeks on Capitol Hill. Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. It's taken just four weeks for that statement to be proved so um, spectacularly and alarmingly wrong. Reality, thousands of miles away, is now on him. China is urging its not to travel abroad as it struggles to contain the virus. We will be standing up Christmas Island as a quarantine. Joe Brandon, I agree. Hey, by the way, China are you an now banned from entering the country. Christmas Island today declared that the coronavirus Name three things that don't hang themselves. That's what the American people think. Inside Four Walls, I'm your host, Madison, and we have a lot of really funny and good news today. Quite a few, actually, to get into today. So let's start off here. BuzzFeed News shuts down as parent company lays off 15% of staffers. Now, mind you, it's just the news sector of BuzzFeed. It's not the BuzzFeed you think of when it comes to the, uh, what is man spreading? I'm a mass spread in my stupid little Pharrell Williams hat for a week and being an obnoxious, quad sexual bitch. You know, it's not them. Those fuckers, unfortunately, are still there and they're too, they kind of reverted. Like they evolved to devolve, where they're just pumping out listicles and meaningless articles again. Again, that 2016 energy is back in the air. Like they get just hired AIs to start writing their articles like three months ago. And all the AIs are just writing these meaningless dribble. But before we can understand what happened here, we have two articles to get into. First, they're smaller articles, so don't worry too much about it. And this all connects back to Silicon Valley Bank. BuzzFeed sees 106 
1.4 million net loss in quarter four. Company had majority of funds at Silicon Valley Bank. This is from March 13th, 2023. Now, Silicon Valley Bank, I said, would have lots of ripples, and that was obvious, right? I did not expect it to have a hit with BuzzFeed. Honestly, I kind of forgot BuzzFeed even existed. It became kind of irrelevant. A majority of the company's cash and cash equivalent balance were held at Silicon Valley Bank. Yikes. A, and it's by Roberto Wakewell Cruz, one of our favorites here, March 13th, 2023. BuzzFeed Incorporated announced financial results. Where are my glasses? Yeah, whatever. I'm actually kind of confused. Where the hell did I go? Whatever. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Quote from Bill O'Reilly. BuzzFeed Incorporated announced financial results for the full year and fourth quarter on Monday, with the media company reporting a huge net loss. The report also revealed that the, co- that the California-based company kept a majority of its cash and cash equivalents at the recently defunct Silicon Valley Bank. The statement went on to quote, A joint release from the U.S. Department of the Treasury the Federal Reserve. <laughs> sorry, sorry, it's a gag reflex whenever I, I, whenever that that particular monstrosity is mentioned, and the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation that says that depositors would fully would be fully protected from the bank's folding. Well, that was a fucking lie, now wasn't it? What's this? I want you. I want to bring in Nico, a 17-year-old student from Arlington. Nico. Uh, <laughs> My Nika, my Nika. I want you. I want to bring in Nico, a 17-year-old Nico. student from Arlington. Nika. Okay. Uh, come, okay. He did say it differently. He said Nico, and then he says Nika. Mmm. Mmm. Okay. You didn't buy that that N word pass quite yet, did you? You're unlocking it. Youngkin, your transgender model policies require that students play on the sports teams and use the restrooms that correspond with their sex assigned at birth. Look at me. I am a transgender man. Do you really think that the girls in my high school would feel comfortable sharing a restroom with me? Yep. So first of all, Nico, thank you for again asking the question, being here tonight, and uh, engaging in this important discussion. I believe first, when parents are engaged with their children, then you can make good decisions together. And I met your dad, and I'm glad that you're both here together. That's really, really important. I also think that there are lots of students involved in this decision, and what's What's most important is that we try very hard to accommodate students. That's why I have said many, many times, we just need extra bathrooms in schools. We need general neutral bathrooms. And so people can use a bathroom that they in fact are comfortable with. I think sports are very clear and I don't think it's controversial. I don't think that biological boys should be playing sports with biological girls. Uh, There's been decades of efforts in order to this gain opportunities nothing for- to do with what we're talking about today but i don't know i got kind of sidetracked and invested let's continue jonah peretti buzzfeed founder and ceo admitted that the fourth quarter was particularly difficult for the company writing quote there's no denying that 2022 was a tough year for the digital media the challenges we face in quarter four are also impacting us in quarter one of 2023 and it is clear that we have more work to do to realize the full potential of our combined brand portfolio i want to reiterate a prediction if elon musk gets twitter to be profitable 
in the in the high speed uh, timeline he th- he's thinking, it would set an interesting. So look, think about what's going on with Twitter, right? All these employees were purged, and Twitter is still going. It's actually still becoming more and more relevant as more and more users than ever come onto the platform, despite what the mainstream media is saying. Now, is it profitable? Not quite yet, but it's approaching that according to Elon Musk, and that's according to Elon Musk. Uh, that information hasn't been fully released, and what little we do know about it, because you know it's a it's a private company now, so a lot of the financial keepings are kind of you know based to just what's released to the general public, and a lot of the more finer workings are kept uh, a secret. Whereas if it's still a public company, a lot more of these uh, details would be out in the light, and we could speculate a bit more. But we, I really don't know if he's bullshitting or not, because he could be pumping it up, saying, "Oh yeah, we're fine, we're doing great." And we'll be talking about Elon Musk and check marks here a little bit later because <laughs> he trolled uh, quite a few people with it. Anyway, with Elon Musk purging Twitter, and if Twitter does become financially viable very quickly, and then you look at Bud Light and the pushback with Anheuser Bush, the woke message is on a branding level getting its shit curb stomped right now. I don't know what took a little long for people to start to wake up to it, but people are waking up to it in mass. Something we've been saying for the last, like, six, seven years, the normies are starting to look at it and be like, huh, yeah, I guess that is kind of a problem. We're like, wait, really? Now you fucking... Like, we're almost floored they're fucking catching on to it. Like, really? All right, fuck it. Yeah, hell yeah. We have a couple Twitter episodes coming up today. At least two. Anyway, with these two big pushes in broad daylight in front of everybody... More and more corporations might get kind of hesitant about doing this sort of woke mind virus promotion of uh, various left ideologies that only represent 1-2% to 2% of the entire U.S. population, if that. So in all, it could be a good thing. Maybe BuzzFeed ends up purging almost all of its staff. Who knows? Challenges, quarter 4, 23, and it is clear we have more work to do to realize our full potential of our combined brand portfolio. Uh, Zero Hedge, quote, BuzzFeed, four-quarter net losses of $106.2 million established loss, $4.23 million. That's wild. Quote, as we work to address these challenges, our uh, our value proposition continues to resonate strongly in the market. He continued, quote, with iconic brands, a massive audience, and differentiated technology platforms, we occupy a unique position in the ecosystem of audiences, creators, platforms, and advertisers, and our work in the exciting new areas of creators and artificial intelligence are continuing to lead the way in defining the future of media. Oh yeah? Because I've really heard of your AI work. Buzzfeed? Buzz AI? I've really heard of this. It's really groundbreaking. Everyone's talking about it. It's right over there with that one... What's that fucking one that no one's talking about from Google? Or that uh, that kind of schizophrenic one no one's talking about from Bing? Man, but everyone's talking about... Whatever the fuck this one's called, right? Anyway. It's like when, it's like when Mark Zuckerberg is like, Everyone loves Meta! Who? Who is everyone? No one I know cares about it. And no one in the world gives a fuck about it. And you lost like fucking like a billion dollars on it. Like, god damn, Mark. You cost yourself and the company so much money. 
Now, don't quote me on the billion thing. I could easily be wrong about that. The company saw a loss of $201.3 million, including a non-cash goodwill impairment charge. Oh, my God. Of $102.3 million compared to the net income of $25.9 million in 2021. The Hollywood Reporter writes that during during the uh, latest quarter, BuzzFeed posted a non-cash goodwill impairment charge of 102 million, in part due. Ignore this noise. In part due. Actually, give me one second here. Yeah, sorry about that. I'm back. Anyway, let's see. <coughs> Compared to that income, uh, goodwill charge. Pyramid charge of 102 million, in part due to a steep decline in the value of the company's stock price in December 2022. In all, BuzzFeed's oh, there's no space there. BuzzFeed's brought in 134.6 million in overall revenues during the fourth quarter. The digital media company ended the quarter with 106 million. Whoa, BuzzFeed bought in at 134.6 million in overall revenue in quarter four, but it ain't, damn, it lost almost 32 million dollars in revenue. The company to the year earlier profit was 41.5 million. Damn, so they actually, so I guess in the long run they did better this year than they did last year, but still, that's kind of fucking wild, dog. You would think, right, Biden's in office. Why are all these news companies now, right? All I, <clears throat> I know why, but play pretend with me, guys. People thought this was going to be good for them. You know, they got rid of the orange guy who was just fucking terrible, right? So bad for ratings. And they propagated and they got this other guy in office. And now no one's interested in what's going on. No one's really paying attention right now. And all these media companies are starting to collapse in on themselves. So it's like... You would think the left right now, well, if the left is such a big enough demographic that they won this massive election, they would be more involved right now in paying attention to the news and politics than ever. But they're not. Where are they? Hmm. Where'd they be? where they be. And since the left tends to be young 20-something-year-old women to quote the great Cleavon Little from Blazing Saddles, where are all the white women at? <laughs> where are all the Democrat white women at? Because I don't fucking see them. No one I know is actually paying attention to politics other than the people I know who already care about politics like I do. I'm kind of surrounded by people. Go figure, the guy who talks about politics all the time is surrounded by people who talk about politics all the time. Oh, Mind-boggling, but... Like, other people, like the normies in my life, they don't know what the fuck's going on. They're asking me for news. And I'm like, well, here's, what, here's what's going on, but fact check me on it. They never do. They just come back to me like a month later, and they're like, hey, so uh, what ended up happening with that indictment? You know, the people, <laughs> politicals around me are like, blah, 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 about the indictment. He paid for me, blah, 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 blah. And then you got me like, no, he didn't. Here's an interview with her where she said she never slept with him. Meanwhile, you talk to these normies, they're like, really, that interview happened? Oh, and it's in CBS? It's in mainstream media? Well, then I know it happened. Cool, that's interesting, thanks. It's like, yeah, cool. So, whereas these same kind of normies, at least in, like, the Trump era, they had some, like, vague semblance of what was kind of going on at all times. Like, they had, like, like, you know, like, White Claw? I don't drink this shit, but I've had some of it in my life. I don't drink it, but I've drank it. 
you know how like white claw is like when you drink that shit it has like like, like you drink like the strawberry white claw it has like the the essence of strawberry it doesn't taste like anything it's just a club soda but it's like a a weird kind of like hinty strawberry vibe to it and you're like mm. that's like the understanding of politics they had now they're like so completely disengaged and removed from it and that they're like huh Wow, I guess people really care about that Bud Light thing. You know, I'm in the store and I see all these Bud Light things on the on, on the shelf. So, what, like, like, do they sell the can on it? It's like, no, they actually sell the project. You know what I mean? Like, explain it to the normies. It's like, I, you would think these people care more. And this is also, I'm very much focusing on the people I know who are, like, left-leaning or left-left kind of people who are just not engaged in the politics or the news whatsoever. I just find it kind of humorous, right? Like, all these news outlets, left, right, center, everywhere, just boomed. Trump raised all tides. And now they got they, these same networks worked so hard to get rid of, them, and now they're all going out of business. It's kind of like how a bunch of these stores got rid of the Mike Lindell My Pillows, like Bed Bath and Beyond and Bath and Body or not Bath and Body Works, but um, oh fuck's it called? Anyway, a bunch of like furniture stores and whatever started stop selling uh, My Pillows, and they all started going bankrupt and having to shut down locations and shit. It was like a weird backfire. It was like the My Pillow curse. But continuing, BuzzFeed end of the year with the cash, with cash and cash equivalents of approximately 56 million. The report states the re- the revealing <clears throat> revealing also that most of the company's cash and cash equivalents were held at Silicon Valley Bank. Quote: As of March 10th, 2023, the majority of the company's wow, we already the bank was already actively collapsing. We were reporting on this shit before that time in March and they still were using it they were asking for this what the fuck uh silicon valley bank however in a joint statement released by the u.s government uh u.s department of treasury the federal reserve and the and the federal deposit insurance corporation the u.s government uh reassured that all depositors would be fully protected the company is assessing funds and does not currently anticipate any disruption of ongoing operations yeah 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 yeah, that sounds exactly what they were saying to the uh, FBF, uh, SBF crowd back in the day. Yeah, hey, your crypto's fine, guys. Great. Let's hop over here. Breaking. BuzzFeed News to shut down. Ooh. Mmm. Ah. Ooh. Ah. I don't even need this coffee now. That's such a wake-up. Mmm. It's better than Coke. The carbonated beverage, of course. I'm in love with the... Coca-Cola. Quote, While layoffs are occurring across nearly every division, we've determined that the company can no longer continue to fund BuzzFeed News, Peretti wrote. Oh, yeah. And you want to know some salt? Go on, uh, go over on Twitter and look at uh, Tim Pool's comments about this and his posts about this and see all the angry journos who've lost their chat. They, first, they wake up to find out they're getting laid off. So now they're throwing a fit and yelling at Temple, and then they lose their check marks, and then they go fucking ballistic. It's phenomenal. I loved it. I love seeing them rage. It's so good. Look, I was a kid who hated participation trophies. I get that shit and be like, yay, I won it. And then look around, see everybody getting it. Even the kid with the chocolate, another chocolate on his fucking fingers, who was a bench warmer the whole goddamn time. Showed up 15 minutes late every day, and mom bought the shitty fucking snacks. Like, she bought, like, the, the Michelle Obama veggie stick snacks. And you're like, if you're eating all this healthy shit at home, how the fuck this butterball bitch get so fucking big? The fuck? This motherfucker looks like. 
Looks like he ate Kirby after Kirby ate Santa, the big bitch. It looks like Star Jones' uh, transgendered sister. The fuck's going on here? You know, it's like that kind of situation, and it's just the fucking worst. And I no longer care about this little fucking piece of plastic. I'd toss it out, or you know, most of the time I'd go to toss it out. My mom would take it and be like, no, I'll keep it and preserve it. You're going to care about it one day. I don't. I have one T-ball trophy. I use it as a bookend. It holds up some of my books on my bookshelf so it doesn't go falling over or leaning over. I know. That's the most I use it for. It sat in a storage unit for 20 years. <laughs> Almost 20 years, actually. Anyway. And I was always told, well, you know what, James? One day these kids are going to find out and they're going to get... Oh, this article is by Hannah Nightingale. And they're going to find out the hard way that life's just not that easy. You can't can't just get by on it and reality's gonna slap him and it felt like it wasn't happening right we I, my whole generation turns 18 or at least you know the part of the generation that i'm from we turn 18 we go in the real world the real world like caters and coddles these spoiled brats the participation trophy kids meanwhile people like me who actually want to earn shit you know the individualist type we were told to go fuck ourselves and that we were toxic and evil and now we're watching that rubber band snap back the other way I'm like, nice, nice. I enjoy watching them get fucking backhanded by reality. It's long overdue. On Thursday, BuzzFeed News announced that it would be shutting down with CRO Edgar Hernandez and CEO leaving the company. Ooh, ooh. Top brass is gone, folks. And layoffs are being, being announced. Damn it. You know it's bad when even the bo- bosses are bouncing. In an email from BuzzFeed CEO Jonathan Peretti said, quote, we are reducing our workforce by approximately 15% today across our businesses, content, tech, and admin teams, and beginning the beginning the process of closing BuzzFeed News. Now this is a beautiful 420 article. Now, I know it's 421 now. Right here. We'll read this article, then I'll go back to these. Quote, Additionally, we are proposing headcount reductions in some internal markets. The email added, quote, Peretti said Hernandez and Beisler have left the company with President Marcella, Mar- uh, Marcella Martin taking on, quote, responsibility for all revenue functions effective immediately. Quote, while layoffs are, imagine the head rush they're feeling right now. Either they're like panicking or they're having like this massive ego trip. But they're like, oh, I can save the company. Just watch. And it's like, have fun. While layoffs are occurring across nearly every division, we're de- we've determined that the company can no longer continue to, find, to fund BuzzFeed News, Preddy wrote. And the propaganda branch goes dark. Sort of. It's supposedly being bought by HuffPost. But here's the thing, HuffPost is in financial is having tons of financial issues too. Defamation lawsuits, uh, massive loss of subscribers and active users. And they had a massive layoff like a year ago too, where they, like half the writers got taken down. So it's like, have fun, good luck from one sinking ship to another. It's like if it's like if BuzzFeed bought Circuit City as they went bankrupt. Like, oh, you know what? I bet we can save this company. It's like, huh. Pretty stated that, quote, HuffPost and BuzzFeed.com have signaled that they will open a number of select roles for members of BuzzFeed News. These rules will be aligned with those divisions, business goals, and match the skills and strengths of many of BuzzFeed 
news. <laughs> Sorry, that's how it's spelled. News editors and reporters. We raised this idea, and the news guide. Uh, we raised this. We raised this idea with the news guide this morning, and look forward to discussing it further. Moving forward, we will have a single news brand in HuffPost. For now. Talk about the dying resuscitating. The, it's like the it's like a zombie performing necromancy right here, which is profitable with a loyal direct front page audience. It's dissipating rapidly though. Peretti explained that the decision to shut down the news branch of the company came about be uh, came about because of the pandemic. Quote: A fading SPAC market that yielded less capital. A tech wait wait that's bullshit because we look I know it was a bit of a, a manipulation but GameStop and AMC of all people prospered in the very year you're you're talking about how 2021 2022 financial years fucked you over meanwhile those two companies flourish and a lot of companies on the stock market took off and are still taking off even in this current economy I don't think that's it again I hate to reference it but Timcast is expanding rapidly. The Daily Wire is expanding rapidly. BuzzFeed, that's a fucking cope. It's a you problem, babe. It's a skill issue, and there's nothing much more to it, hun. I hate to break it to you, sweetheart. You're fucked. You rode the brain-dead audience you cultivated to the point where they tuned out and or, you know, had certain... It's me, myocarditis. And they dropped, you know game over type shit bro and the audience just didn't really return out to them i'm being humorous here but you know the unvaccinated aren't dying someone got mad at me on a pod on a podcast i did recently they were like you know you shouldn't be seeing that it's like yeah well they shouldn't have gotten that calling a walmart parking lot and sticking their arms out of the window being like hey come get jippy fuckers sorry moving on a tough economy a declining stock market a, <laughs> a decelerating digital advertising market and ongoing audience on platform shifts. Uh, sorry. Dealing with all of these obstacles at once is part of why we've needed to make the difficult decision to eliminate more jobs and reduce spending, he added. Over here from Charlie Kirk. Seven reasons. <laughs> BuzzFeed News is shutting down. You won't believe. Three. One. Turns out, crummy listicles don't pay in the long run. Who knew? Two, on issues like LGBTQ and BLD, kidding, insanity and anti-racism, BuzzFeed said, quote, there are, t- there are not two sides, and they wouldn't even pretend to offer, ob- uh, offer objective. Freddy wrote that the quote uh, integration process BuzzFeed of BuzzFeed is complex and should have been uh, executed faster and better. Quote, the macro environment is tough, but we had the potential to generate much more revenue than we delivered over the past 12 months. <laughs> Keck, cope harder. Can I get a copium prescription for that? The CEO said that he over <laughs> over insisted in BuzzFeed's news it was just weird that it's bracketed 
BuzzFeed News because I love their work and mission so much. Yeah, the same way that Will Smith loves his son's best friend when he comes over and sees Jada. And that quote, I didn't hold the hold the company to a higher standard for profitability. Very clearly, that, that, that shows. Quote, please know that we exhausted major other cost-saving measures to prevent as many jobs as possible. This is a breaking story and will be updated. Oh boy, will it ever be updated that being said boys have a celebrate have a drink with me this is good morning i know this is going up at like oh god actually i already have a one o'clock one o'clock going up i had a computer issue and then i ended up leaving my house for a little bit so i didn't get a chance to upload everything so some stuff's going up today so it's a little bit of a funky schedule but i'm recording this at 5 15 a.m so good morning friends and enjoy this delightful news and until then i shall catch y'all later by the way over on the rumble and the bit shoot page and i think here too we uploaded or i uploaded yesterday i don't know why i keep saying we and now we uploaded reefer madness and i found out recently that they're actually doing do a remake of it so you guys should watch the original reefer madness from 1936 it's cringy it's funny it's a good bad movie it's on par with the room it's government funded propaganda so go enjoy it and i shall catch you guys later deuces hey welcome back to inside four walls i'm host james madison and there's been a lot of infighting within the right wing and left wing commentary sphere hasn't there been now more specifically on the right now it all seemed to have started with uh crowder leaving the blaze and calling out well actually no i take that back it originally for at least when i first noticed it it was uh it was tim pool being called out because he and the quartering were beefing over a few things they buried the hatchet and then they started beefing again like a month later over the uh eliza blue situation Right, and all that was going on, and then right after that got settled, and that like had all kinds of people infighting. Then you had Mud Club. Well, you had Stephen Crowder leave the Blades, which caused tons of infighting with like Elijah Schaefer, Glenn Beck, Cowboy Fucker, not the one from Daily Wire, the other Cowboy Fucker, the, the guy from Daily Wire got got in on it too. Um, anyway, all 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 the Blades people and and Crowder fe- were feuding. And then Crowder turns around and, and uh, starts feuding with um, the Daily Wire. And I took, look, any any side against Ben Shapiro, especially if it's on the right, I'll take it. Fuck that guy. I can't stand him. Uh, I'll use his clips occasionally because, you know, again, we, there's a lot of overlap in our opinions. But god damn, I can't stand Ben Shapiro and most of the Daily Wire guys. I like Michael Knowles and uh, Jordan Peterson to a lesser degree, but... It's kind of a cap on on uh, Daily Wire people I can stand, or at least go out of my way to watch. No, that's beside the point. But you know, I felt the Mug Club very clearly on this channel side side of that argument. But and then there was a lot of infighting with like Miley Yiannopoulos, uh, Nick Fuentes, Tim Pool, and a bunch of other content creators. And then Gavin McGinnis goes fucking psycho, and then Sage's his own kidnapping. Starts calling out content creators, whips his dick out, trying to get um, Nerdrotic taken down. The Nerdrotic and uh, a ton of other people start feuding. Alex Jones starts feuding with a bunch of like the Bandot video crowd. Like uh, Alex Jones and Joseph Watson start bumping heads with each other, and it was just like this really fucking sudden out of nowhere like 
four-month-long implosion of the right-wing commentary starting in, like, the December of 2022 and going to now and continuing into 2023. And, you know, it doesn't really... A lot of people seem blindsided by it who follow all that drama. But for me, I'm not really blindsided because I grew up in, like... You know, I remember, like, 2013 through 2017 YouTube. Following, I was in the commentary community back then. Uh, I was just doing editing for a couple content cha- commentary channels. Uh... No one particularly big, like, I guess, but it doesn't matter. No. Nah, I forgot it anyway, it doesn't matter. But, you know, a lot, like, you had the skeptic crowd, right? Like, Armored Skeptic, Shoe on Head, H-Bomber Guy. You had all these dudes, right? Um, hell, even Sam Cedar was in on that crowd, too, if I remember correctly. Anyway, you had all these guys, and they were all part of this big commentary community. And on, on like, they were like the left-ish side, side of the commentary community. And the other side, you had like Keemstar, Pyrocynical, Leafy is here, iDubs, and these other guys formed like this other like sort of right-ish slash just independent type of like comedy that was just crude and offensive. Where the other side was trying to be like less offensive and more politically edgy. You know, and then both of these groups imploded the skeptic side on the left and the atheist. Because the skeptic side and the, and the atheist side of the community spectrum overlap. Like, Shoe on Head and, and, and Amazing Atheist were, like, comrades in arms for a minute. But that imploded. Ethan Klein and all of them also were part of that, too. And that all imploded. And then on the right, you had the same thing where, like, Keemstar uh, got fucked over by Pyrocynical and Leafy. And, uh, you know, seeing these, seeing commentary communities implode is nothing new to me. And this seems to be right out the very same way. If you remember, or if you were part of that kind of, like, scene back in the day with the commentary communities on YouTube watching, like, uh, wavy, not wavy web, sorry, but, like, if he's hearing pyrocynical content, shit, man, even old, uh, Astasi content and, uh, old, uh, no fuckers content too. My God, I used to watch a lot of, like, Max Mofo content too back in the day, but that's irrelevant. And the infighting, I, my, my point is just this infighting is not new. It seems to be a immune response in these kind of communities as, because for a while, like, commentary communities were uh like like youtube commentary videos and and channels were like on the rage for like seven years and then they fell apart and fell off and now political commentary videos are starting to come on the rise and that's a lot because like my generation that grew up like in high school and junior high watching the commentary and youtube videos like shoe on head and stuff politics was part of that but it wasn't the dominant factor and now as adults and we're into that shit we care more about politics so we're watching politics a bit more um anyway so now you're going to see the same uh, trials and tribulations the commentary community on the YouTube side of things went through a couple of years ago, go through with this new political community where people will feud, uh, iron sharpens iron or it breaks iron. So some people are going to get uh, battled out of the industry, some people are going to get hardened, stay in it. And then eventually, I guarantee you're going to have some form of right-leaning or right-sided commentary type of content cop type deal. I imagine that coming back to fuck man uh simi and jimmy aka monkey jones started putting out old school type political content on his channel recently as well too so that's an interesting little notion but uh, let's get into the article shall we i've been rambling enough landau steve crowder censored me follow uh censored me fellow comic from hollywood in toto the right take on entertainment 
I guess it's a right-leaning, uh, it's like a bounding in the comics for, like, right-leaning media type deal, like, outside of, like, Hollywood and stuff. Like, it focused on the right-leaning commentary community. I have no other knowledge. I've never come across this, uh, platform before, but they were the only ones I know who were writing about this, so I went with them. Former Ludwig Crowder co-host unloads on Rumble Superstar, which sucks, too, because I really like I really I like Dave Landau and I like Stephen Crowder and I don't know what the deal is here because Crowder left the blaze and initially uh quarter black well quarter black Garrett left uh mug club for about six months and he came back periodically and then left again basically went to neurotic exclusively and then formed his own thing and Dave Landau stayed around and I really like Dave Landau and I'm still going to keep liking Dave Landau. This isn't, like, one of those things where, like, with The Daily Wire, I had tons of previous grievances with Matt Walsh, uh, Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro, that other cowboy fucker there, uh, Brett Cooper. I had, a, I had issues and moral issues with all these people already. Um, and things I, I couldn't stand about them. There's nothing about Dave Landau that I don't like. I genuinely find him funny. He's one of my favorite comedians. And his story, uh, the thumbnail, by the way, I'll leave a link to it if you don't know about it. He was on, He did an episode of This Is Not Happening, and it's phenomenal. It talks about how it talks about being arrested and thrown into a psych ward, and his roommate thinks he's a werewolf and attacks him and like sexually assaults him. It's a great story. And he also talks about how he drove a, a teacher crazy by drawing penises everywhere. Funny shit, worth checking out. Dave Landau's genuinely hilarious, and he's actually a good guy from everything I've heard from people who know him and have talked about him and around him. I've uh, you know. He's, everything I've heard about him makes him seem like a genuinely good guy. So I have no problem with either of these people. Uh, he, it definitely makes Crowder seem like an asshole from the stories I've heard, but we've only heard Crowder's side of it. And I'm not taking one side over the other until I hear Crowder's side of it. Now, Crowder probably recorded a phone call. It's probably going to leak it. Uh, there's a Michael Malice interview I was watching. Oh, yeah, I like lo-fi. Go fuck yourself. I was watching this interview right here. And it just got me like, oh, I should look into this. I'll leave a link to this podcast right here, Michael Malice and uh, Dave Landau. That's where I found out about this feud. If you want to go learn more from his side of the story, we'll throw in some clips here towards the end. Stephen Crowder said he went public with his uh, uh, his Daily Wire contract dispute for a vital reason. The website's internal contract to Crowder, initial contract to Crowder, valued at fifty million for four years said he'd get paid less if his show got censored by big tech platforms like YouTube. Yeah, I had beef with that issue. because It's like you're going to fight YouTube by submitting to it. It's just similar to my, uh, like, when uh, a lot of people just kind of fell in line behind Ben Shapiro, and I'm like, you guys want to fight the establishment, but you can't even fight your boss in your workplace? Fuck off. Uh, like YouTube, it's why Crowder signed a deal with Rumble the free speech alternative to YouTube. The kind of censorship, that kind of censorship Crowder warned cannot stand. Now former Lottery Crowder co-host Dave Landau says Crowder routinely censored his commentary on the video podcast and worse. Yeah, he had like a shut up Dave button he was pressing. They don't get deals that Big 
God bless the talk boy. Those things are worth like $5,000 now. It's an expensive gag. Um, so didn't want to have to do this, but Daily Wire out of themselves very, very quickly. And sure enough, if you see all of the people who, who work there, um, some of whom I have relationships with, uh, they immediately tried to make this all about money. Here's the problem. There are a few problems. And I'll go through with some receipts. Um, everything that was said about negotiations, how they transpired, beyond the numerical value, which is true and I'll get to, uh, everything else is untrue. I, I don't really want to get into that. It's completely irrelevant. Here's why. Go back to the 20-something minute video, 30-minute video. You've never heard me say or write anywhere online that these offers weren't paying enough money. Why? Because it's not about the money. It's, it's, it's kind of unreal to me that the only thing these people can still talk about is the money. The conversation was about conservatism, the movement, and big tech. They keep talking about money. I'm talking about a country. I'm talking about a movement. Wow, you mean to tell me the company founded by Ben Shapiro wanted to talk only about money and revenue? Oy vey, Gentile. I wonder... I wonder what I wonder what the deal is with the Daily Wire talking about the Meshuggah money all the time, Gentile. You, you shouldn't worry too much about the monies. It's gentle, okay? Hey, it's clean the money. You just just take what we give you and you do the work we do, okay? There's no need to fight. There's no need to fuss. Just take it and go. $15 is a lot of money. It, 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 it might be too much. Sorry, I, I I get really into it. I have a, <laughs> I have some Jewish family up in East uh, East End Manhattan, and I just fucking I don't call them very often because of the fucking. Like, can you guys not be talk like the stereotypes, please? And they're not even that kind of Jewish, by the way. But they have the fucking accents and shit. Moving on. Now, former Lateral Crowder co-host Dave Landau says Crowder routinely censored his commentary on the video podcast and worse. Landau opened up about leaving the popular show on You're Welcome with Michael Malice. Landau shared how he... Uh, share how he knows how to be a co-host in a modern era. Witness his work alongside radio legend Anthony... Kumia and Compound Media. OP and Anthony was so good. So good. The only complaint about OP and Anthony is it gave us Bill Burr. I'm not a Bill Burr fan. I don't like him. Not much to actually enjoy about Bill Burr. Because look, if, if you want a mean ginger comedian, we already have that in the form of Louis C.K. And Louis C.K. is genuinely fucking funny. And not to mention, Louis C.K. has been canceled and came back twice offensive. Bill Burr was telling you to get vaccinated and wear two masks and stay the fuck in your house the whole time. Welcome to the Monday morning just before Tuesday afternoon, Sunday morning before church, godly blessed afternoon, baldy, joey, billy, badass Monday just before afternoon podcast, and I'm Bill Burr. I don't care. I do not fucking care. I, I didn't really like him particularly beforehand, but I could tolerate him. I thought he was funny occasionally. His wife, Anita, would be pretty funny when she came on the show. But just the pandemic, man. I found out what a dangerous rule follower Bill Burr is. And I'm just like, fuck this guy. And everything he stands for. Uh, similar, actually, to uh, Tim Dillon. He similarly supported Crowder during their time together. But in the final months of their professional relationship, Crowder kept Landau on a tight leash. Quote, 
I had been more censored as things went on. For example, I couldn't use the word ejaculate, Landau said. The restrictions didn't stop there. Is this the whole podcast? Oh, it's the whole podcast. Okay, hold on. Landau, alleged Crowder, had a dump-style button to silence him if he spoke too much on the show. Quote, a light was put in to the studio. It was it was his rant button, and it was uh, it was basically a Dave don't talk button. Landau recalled of both the button and the light that flashed when it was deployed. Quote, when it was lit, I wasn't supposed to talk, and Crowder would press it. Honestly, this is such a weak complaint. Of course, of absolutely course. It's part of the fucking job. If you are the co-host, the guest, and Dave, you sat in third chair. Meaning, you weren't the co-host. You were the co-host of the co-host, my man. So you were third wheeling from the beginning. And and here's the thing. I don't say this to discredit him or, or, or mock him or belittle him. But, dog, it's not an uncommon fucking practice to have a light that comes on. Like, when the host, you know, the person, you know, the person whose name might be in the fucking title of the entire network and show, you know, louder with Crowder. Perhaps when he's, you know, cooking... He doesn't want you to interrupt him with jokes because you're a comedian, Dave. A lot of people on, on, on the Mug Club show are on Daily Wire. F- fuck me. A lot of people on Mug Club and Louder with Crowder are comedians. You know, even uh, Papa Crowder did, did some comedy back in the day. So it's very easy for a comedian, especially one who, like, you know, ADHD and you check that up to a lot of shit, uh, Dave. But... You know, you think of something that's funny you want to add to it, perhaps you'd be inclined to chirp in. You might derail the train of thought that Crowder's got going on. So, unless the button said, shut the fuck up, Dave, you're reading way too much into a button that has a real red light that's telling everybody to shut up for a second. It's not just you. So, part of me is wondering, because the the fallout between Glenn Beck and Stephen Crowder was very public, and both sides very clearly had some backdoor grudge with each other. What are the chances? And this is just a hypothesis. What are the odds that maybe uh, they were offered some sort of sweetheart deal in order to, you know, stir up some kind of beef between Crowder and, uh, you know, Dave or whatever? Like, what if there's some sort of effort between Dave or even just, you know, actors at the day at, at the Blaze to incite some sort of internal chaos between these guys? I don't know if that's certain, but it's just a thought because it's such a weird fucking thing. Because that button didn't say shut the fuck up Dave to you specifically. Why are you taking like it was targeting you? Because I'm sure when that button's on, Gerald doesn't fucking talk. Again, it's louder with Crowder. and It's not louder with Crowder and Dave. It's not louder with Landau. No, it's, it's louder with Crowder. You are a guest. It's a great platform. Anyway. Put into the studio. I know my quote. I know my job. I know that he talks a lot. I know that he's the star of the show. I know when to sit back. It's what I did with Anthony Cumia for years. It's what I do. He said, I'm not trying to ever steamroll him. Again, then you have a lot of grievances and not a lot of justifications for said grievances. But I, again, I don't know. I've heard both. I've only heard one side of the story. And as you're starting to realize, I wasn't particularly swayed 
by Dave Landau side of the story. It sucked, but it sounds like general workplace grievances. Like maybe there was an argument. Well, there was an argument. He talks about how uh, Crowder got loud and audible. He also talks about how Crowder apologized. Again, it's a good interview. You should go watch it. But it's like, it sounds like you had an emotional response to a conflict and you made a big fucking decision in, in the moment. You signed a contract with the Blaze and then, you know, you got, you had like a little bit of a, you know, you talked about all the things that bothered you, no matter how big or how small they were. And the button seems like a small thing. It didn't say, shut the fuck up, Dave. You, at no point does he say it was targeting him specifically. He says, you know, it was basically a dump button telling me not to talk. It sounds like it was telling everybody not to talk. It's such a, it's an on-air kind of, kind of a fucking deal. You know, quote, it was just, hey, don't be funnier than Crowder. That's the truth. I mean, it sounds bitter, but I knew it was true because I was pulled I was pulled aside and it was make sure if you're doing a rant or you're riffing, he gets the last word. Yeah, that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean don't be funny. Uh, unless Crowder or something or you have some proof that says there was a, 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 a don't be funny because your quote doesn't say don't be funny. Your quote where it says it was it was basically don't be funnier than Crowder is you putting your understanding on it, not what it actually was as a situation. So I'm skeptical of that as well, too. And again, it's his show. Of course, he's going to want the last word and probably the fucking first one, too. Now, I will say it it shows a little bit more confidence as a show host to let the the you know co-host and the co's of the co-host talk and sit back and listen and give them feedback you know there's nothing wrong with being more of a quiet co-host and taking a bit more of a, a of a interviewer type situation in your own show where you let other people talk there's value in that and demanding people talk or not and if there is evidence that Crowder was saying don't be funnier than me don't make more jokes than me let me have the last word and it's in that kind of a context then yeah Crowder looks kind of like a little bitch absolutely but it's still his show going forward it is a lot of what seems like assumptions and emotional feelings coming from Dave Landau. Now, in the interview, don't get me wrong, Dave Landau is cool and collected, but there's very clearly some sort of issue. He's very not, he's not exactly thrilled. Now, this isn't exactly a great picture of him. Yeah, yeah he was a hard worker. Now it's an illusion, you know? The next thing is uh, he's ready to start his own show by his own Friday show by October 14th. So now I have a show every Friday for no extra money. So okay, I can't so tour on Friday. Let's break this down. So you are going to have your own show, which is a plus. Yes. But you're not getting paid a single dime to host your own new show on right. his network or his platform. Correct. And in fact, it's costing you money because now you can't be out, you know, doing two shows on Friday night in Tacoma or wherever, okay, somewhere in some of the city. Right. Okay. So then... I've never heard of that. I'm sorry. I've never heard of someone saying, I'm giving you your own show. You're not getting paid for it. I don't understand that. Right. It was, well, it's control, you know, and that was kind of what bothered me. It was the I own you aspect and then okay. um, the uh, hours. But that's the, the thing. You're, if you're doing your own show, they're making money from ad sales or, or at the very least adding value to the network because now there's more content and you're not seeing a cent of that. Right. And that okay. was sort of what it was before where it was we're going to sweeten the pot and that didn't happen. Right. But it did happen in the sense of road dates. Okay. Right. So I didn't complain, but right. then I can't do road dates. In All right. Again, I'll leave the whole interview in the comment section below. That was a show. Like he comes off as he's cool and collected, but these quotes and within the context of the interview, these quotes also come off as him ascribing a lot of uh, center of the universe perspective. 
to his surroundings. And again, it's happening to you. It is it is fair to, to have that sentiment, but look around. Is it happening to other people as well? Like, the button thing is a real sticker for me. Quote, uh, sorry. Quote, you were told this explicitly, Michael asked. And he said, yes. Again, I need to hear Crowder's side of the story. Quote, even if I did have a funnier joke, I'd just leave it out. It was important for the fans to not hear it. I always thought it was my job as a comedian to leave out the good one. Landau de, uh, deadpan. Quote, somebody who was so pro-free speech and non-censorship, he was really about censorship of me, he said, adding he was forgiving of issues due to the uh, Crowder's medical woes at the time. Yeah, but Crowder had the surgery, like, two years ago. The Michigan native... Ah, ah, actually, Crowder's Canadian, bitch. The Canadian native later said Crowder... Or, okay, Dave Landau, my apologies. Yeah, Dave's from Detroit. The Michigan native later said Crowder's... My bad. Sensorial mood extended to fellow comic Matt McCauley. McCauley? McCauley? Anyway... Landau pa- uh, planned a stand-up comedy special in Dallas, and Crowder asked to join the lineup. Landau ar- agreed, knowing his colleague would help promote it. The initial show became a sold-out uh, became two sold-out shows thanks to Crowder's connection. Uh, McClowry, it's McClowry, and off-screen Landau pal opened both shows with material that earned standing ovations. Landau then asked Crowder if McClowry could co-host Louder with Crowder on a day when he wouldn't be there. Crowder agreed. Later, Landau learned McClowry had been blocked from that guest co-hosting gig without explanation. Again, it's his show. Now, if it's because, well, I don't want him to outshine me or be funny on my show, I have a personal story I'll tell you. It's actually kind of similar to that, but it's like, still, it's his show. Sorry, my nose is really fucked up right now. I bopped it. So it's all, like, congested. But, yeah, if he if he agreed to have this guy on the show and then last minute canceled on him, it's shitty. It's not a great thing to do. It's definitely a bad fucking look, but... Uh, moving on. Crowder called Landau up and yelled at him. This is what I was talking about. I'm thinking about being yelled at. Yelled at him over the guest hosting issue... And related topics. Yeah, but here's a question. Again, we have Dave's side of the story. Dave's side of the story, he sounds very rational. Certain things are weird that I don't agree with, but he sound, he comes off very rational. But again, anyone telling their side of the story would. You know, you have somebody who tells a story and they're like, yeah, and I was a cunt. It's like, well, fuck, you're honest. I'll give you that. But Dave says, you know, I didn't do nothing. I was, I'm a harmless, I'm a harmless baby boy. What I do, I didn't do nothing to nobody. Type deal. And it's like, okay, okay. Well, I don't, I can't prove you wrong. I don't have evidence. I don't have the other side of the story. But here's the thing: if there's a, a possibility that you, like, whatever, went up to him and was like, "Hey, what the hell happened, man?" Crow's like, "What? Why the hell did you tell my friend? Why did you tell me my friend could be on the show? And why did you last minute kick him out?" It's like, also, was there a communication between Crowder and this guy directly? Or did Crowder just tell you, yeah, sure. And then you went and relayed the story to him. 
because that's not your that's not your 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 position your responsibility that's not your job that that was a fuck up if you turn around and said oh yeah buddy said you could be on the show now I, I i get telling your friend that but again it's not your show that's a conversation crowder should have had with him and if crowder changed his mind crowder changed his mind He told me he owns me. Now, yeah, this is the really fucking weird part. Landau said of the heated conversation, quote, it was venomous. I saw a different person that I had never heard, that I had heard rumors about. Potentially. Again, I can't disprove or disqualify this. This is a damning thing to hear. But it also seems and sounds so out of character. Like, I've been watching Louder with Crowder and, you know, Mug Club for the longest fucking time. Like, I'm, I'm subscribed to them on pretty much every platform. So it's a little funky. Just doesn't seem very in character for Crowder. So, like, that, that, this situation here. Like, like again, I can't prove Landau wrong. I don't dis, I don't disbelieve him, but I also don't fully believe it either. I wonder if there is at all any backdoor thing going on between the Blaze, Crowder, um, or uh, Dave Landau and Quarterblack to get this shit talk going, or it's just good advertisement. I don't know. Dave Landau is not somebody to manipulate. I don't think Dave Landau is that type of person either. It's just this is a very weird situation, and we only have one side of the story, and a lot of people are going out there and throwing rumors really hard. I'm just trying to... Because li- we only have one side of the story, right? So until we have the other side of the story, I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit, and if there is no tr- ability to be like, well, there's also this possible perspective. I'm not going to act like there is. Then he said Matt McCrawley couldn't do his routine's closing bit, which is a killer because it's too dirty. Yeah, this is a joke that's apparently not dirty about his family. If we were going to tour together, he said, there was projection about how he was angry. Uh, there was there was projection about how he was angry about how well the bit did. The bit in question was a personal antidote about McCrawley's high school wrestling days and his Asperger syndrome. Crowder uh, allegedly would tell Landau before their live performances, quote, let's keep it clean, despite the latter's penchant for dark adult material. Yeah, I couldn't. I, I, I make way too many edgy jokes and say way too much fucked up shit, even in jest. I, I couldn't have somebody on the show and tell them. In fact, I've tried, I have friends and people I try to get on this comment coming on this show and they're like, ah, oh, could I, you know, I'd be funny. I'm like, yeah, go ahead, man. They're like, well, you know, what, what, what's the limit on what I can and can't say? I'm like, it's on you. Say whatever you, the fuck you want and whatever the response to what you say is the response to what you say. I'm not gonna, they're not gonna put a filter on you. I don't upload to YouTube. I upload to every other platform pretty much out besides YouTube and Twitch. So, you know, I don't, I'm the last person to tell people they can and can't say something. Crowder allegedly told Landau, he read that, quote, why? This has been me for 20 years, Landau said. Landau used the Malice show appearance to reveal he signed a deal with Blaze TV to star a video podcast sketch series with, or set to debut in May or June. Hit, we'll update the story if and when Crowder responds, oh, it's coming. It's Friday right now. There might be a morning response here. It's 8. It's 6.29. So at 10, there might be a response. So let's look at the first. Oh, there's only two comments from Chad. Crowder's show is entertaining, but the guy is obviously an egomaniac. I don't... I, I haven't seen anything that, that make me believe that. I imagine a person who would say, Tim Pool's an egomaniac too. And I'm like, again, show me the evidence. 
It's why he pulled the stun he did with Daily Wire, and I'm not surprised by this either. Well, Daily Wire was genuinely the fucking wrong on that one too. But again, it was also the Daily Wire's contract. I'm glad he's found a platform on Rumble and is having success, but his style and personality aren't my preference. I mostly just tune him out. Yeah, and you're also the type of person to be like, look, I think Trump had his time. I think it's time we support DeSantis. And then when you're asked, oh yeah, why? Like, what's DeSantis foreign policy? You just kind of shriek into a corner and quit talking. That's probably the type of person you are. Phil. Oh, the hypocrisy. Mr. Daily Wire is evil for trying to censor me, Crowder. Oh, the hypocrisy. Allegedly. If a lot of what Crowder says, or a lot of what Landau says is true, then, then absolutely. It's shitty. No doubt whatsoever. That being said, we only have one side of the story, and the one side of the story is coming from a, uh, a, a former or current friend who feels jaded and wronged. There is an evidence. He, he tells the story. And again, like I, I want to reiterate this. I enjoy, I like Dave Landau. I liked him before he was on Crowder. I liked his stand-up. I find him to be a very funny guy. And I've only people who've like talked about him, who've worked with him, I've only ever heard extremely nice things. Even Bill Burr. And Bill Burr will talk shit and target anyone on the right viciously with his fucking low-information liberal-ass opinions. But he says nice things about Landau. So I have no reason to think Landau would make any of this up. But it's a interesting thing. I don't I don't want to say one side over the other. On the other hand, it doesn't this also doesn't seem in line with Crowder either. Now I know Crowder is like, look, if we're working, we're working. Uh, he also talks about how Crowder was always late to set, and there's a story about how on Fridays, you know, he was told to be there on Fridays, even if Crowder didn't show up. So how accurate is that? I don't know. Again, we just have one side of the story, and when Crowder comes comes out with his side of the story. I will do what I did last, do with the Tim Pool thing and the Daily Wire thing. I'll do a little talk about the, the Crowder side of it. And then when it's all said and done, I'm going to splice all the land, one, all the one side arguments and videos and all the other side's videos and compilations. So there's a cohesive two-sided argument <laughs> that you can watch and hear. That being said, I'm going to wrap this up here. Uh, in the link, in the comments below or in the description below, I'm going to leave a link I'm going to leave a link to a couple of these old, uh, or at least my past episodes with Steven Crowder talking about what's going on there in the uh, description below, as well as with all the other sources, including Crowder's side of the Daily Wire story, this article, and the interview with Michael Malice, all in the description below. That being said, thank you for watching Inside Four Walls. I've been James Madison, and I got more content coming up for you soon. We'll be talking about the Matt Walsh hacks next. What, what are they going for there? Well, what, what is their the goal? The, the, the goal is to re- re- tell black people that we're victims, that uh, discrimination and racism remain major problems in America when in fact they don't. Uh, and uh, they want black people to vote for the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party gets uh, 95% of the black vote, uh, and the reason they get it is because blacks are convinced that the number one issue facing the country right now is social justice, racist white cops, uh, discrimination, systemic uh, racism, microaggression, whatever new word they come up with, and it's a bunch of nonsense. The number one problem domestically facing this country is a breakdown of the family. And uh, President Obama said it. I didn't. Uh, a, a, a black kid, or a kid, not just a black kid, a kid raised without a dad, is five times more likely to be poor and commit crime 
crimes, nine times more likely to drop out of school, and 20 times more likely to end up in jail. So you're far more likely to end up in jail without having a dad than you are because of a white racist cop. You're on record as calling for the end to the minimum wage saying, quote, the correct minimum wage ought to be zero. Right. How do you think California voters currently earning the minimum wage, which is 13 to $14 an hour, would react to that? Well, uh, given the um, indoctrination that people have about the minimum wage, they probably wouldn't react to it well. I would point out that there was an editorial in 1987 uh, in the New York Times, an editorial, not op-ed piece, and the headline is, correct minimum wage 0.00. And they made all the economic 101 arguments. That is, that when you arbitrarily uh, increase the cost of labor, uh, all sorts of bad consequences come from that. People's hours are cut back. Uh, a hiring decision is deferred. Uh, prices of prices of goods go up in order to, to uh, compensate for that forced increase in labor, which is usually the biggest cost in running any kind of business. Um, Milton Friedman, the Nobel laureate um, economist, uh, who was a friend of mine, uh, said that he believes that the minimum wage was, quote, the most anti-Negro law on the statute books, close quote, because at one time, believe it or not, a black teenager was more likely to be employed than a white teenager, more likely to be employed than a white adult, more likely to be employed than a black adult because that teenager was able to sell his labor for less. When you come in with the minimum wage, you are uh, you are foreclosing the ability of people, often with uh, with little education and little skills, to get a job. I don't. I never have quite understood why a third party like government. Uh, why that government feels it's anybody's business, what my relationship is with an individual who willingly sold his labor, uh, and my relationship with that person when I willingly bought that labor. Uh, why two people who are adults can't determine what the price of labor ought to be is beyond me. And why a third party feels it's his or her business to interfere with that is also beyond me. Welcome back to Inside Four Walls, I'm Rose James Madison, and I saw this kind of coming. I mean, he did have that failed attempt to be the governor of California during that emergency recall election, but it was, I mean, it was a pretty, pretty distinctive loss, but he also didn't do as bad as everyone thought he was going to. But presidential material, absolutely not. But this will be a good way to get some, you know, more attention on him, raise his profile as a radio host, get more speaking gigs, charge more money for the speaking gigs. And overall, I, I actually really like Larry Elder. He has a lot of views. I like that he's actually to the right. He's not one of these rhino or boomer cons. Staunch two-way. As it's written, as it should be. And stands against the NFA, stands against Federal Reserve, stands against funding Ukraine stands against the entire woke mob, trans ideology, transgressionism, stands against transhumanism, calls out Musk on the Chinese foreign affairs and all of that shit. So it, there's a lot of things I really like about him. There's only one thing I, I, I'm kind of held up on, and it's nothing that he said explicitly other than like when, he, when, he's, when he's talking about religion in schools, he talks about how there's a, a need to teach Christianity as fact. And there's I'm, I'm not inherently... Uh, against that, but if you're gonna teach any, if you're gonna teach one religion in school, you have to teach about all religions in school, and you need to do it from a, you know, objective standpoint. And since that's impossible, especially in this day and age, I don't know if 
religion belongs in schools as much as kids belong taken out of schools. And he promotes homeschooling to his credit, but it's the Christian national elements that I, I'm not, I don't like. And I say this as a Lutheran. Um, feel free to roll your eyes and all that. But we, you know, forcing it or passing laws that mandate Christianity in government buildings and schools and tax-funded areas... I'm not against having the literature in there and having God up on the walls and everywhere, but forcing uh, one religion specifically against the other is no different than pushing one political ideology than the other. Teach them all equally, or don't touch it at all if you can't equally prioritize them. That's just my opinion. Well, let's get into this article, shall we? Again, I really like Larry Elders. I think if I think in a better timeline where things aren't so dire. Uh, Larry Elders leading the GOP presidential candidacy on the right and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. leading the Democrat uh, primary from the left. That would be an interesting political year where those two came out to be the primaries. And they're really the perfect counterbalance to each other. Share enough overlapping views and different enough on a lot of like economic and uh, foreign affairs issues that it would be a very interesting uh, debate between them. I still want to see those two debate. I'm looking forward to it. Actually, now this is one of the debates I'm looking forward to the most. So, Republican radio host Larry Elder launches 2024 White House bid. I found my glasses, by the way. Victor Narva, April 20th, 2023. Recently updated. Conservative radio talk show host Larry Elder announced Thursday that he is jumping into the 2024 Republican primary race, joining a growing field of candidates vying for the party's nomination. Quote, I am announcing I am running for the presidency of the United States, Larry Elders told Fox News host Tucker Carlson. Quote, I feel I have a moral and a religious and a patriotic duty to back, uh, to give back to the country that's been so good to my family and to me that's why i'm doing it he said the 70 year old politician political command uh commentator told carlson that his campaign will focus on the issues related to the border security crime and the maligning of the police ah well he went pretty hard on the uvalde topic too elders also noted that he intends to rebuke the disgraceful lie that the United States is systematically racist and bring attention to the lack of fathers in the home. Again, good shit. Good shit. He, he's like Clarence Thomas, essentially, on the political compass. Good shit. Good shit. Quote, America is in decline, but this decline is not inevitable. We can enter a new American golden age, but... We much we, we must choose a leader who can bring us there. That's why I'm running for president. Elder wrote in a statement posted on Twitter after his announcement. Yeah, that's the thing though. This guy right here, in every poll, left, right, and center, he is decimating the field and destroying all the GOP opponents against him. So Trump is a it, Trump is really the only person you have to overcome if you're going to try and win 2024 on the GOP side. His campaign slogan appears to have we have a country to save, which is similar to Save America and Restore America, which are already two pre-existing 2024 campaign slogans, I believe. Restore America is actually one of Kanye's campaign slogans. His campaign slogan appears to be 
uh, we have a country to save. Elders was a democratic. Uh, Elder was a democrat. Uh, wait, Elder was Democratic California Governor Gavin Newsom's top opponent during. There's some weird not lack of grammar here. Uh, Gavin Newsom's top opponent during an unsuccessful unsuccessful 2021 effort in the state to recall the governor over his pandemic response. Elder is slated to speak at the Iowa Faith and Freedom Coalition this week, where he will be joined by other 2024 GOP presidential candidates, including former President Donald Trump, former uh, Arkansas Governor uh, Aza Hutchinson, and South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, who launched an expeditionary committee last week. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, dead in the water, by the way, and entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, who I really want to see Vivek return in 2028, have also launched a 2024 presidential campaign. I don't necessarily mind Vivek Ramaswamy as a running mate for Trump this time around either. I actually kind of like him a lot. Uh, Buck Truth. I like Elder, and he'd get my vote if he wins the primary. We have to elect a Republican or America is done for good. My vote would be for Trump or Larry Elder. Both are good men who love this country. And that's from Chunky Monkey and Natasha V. I truly like Elder. I think Mr. Trump should win, finish what he started, make America great again. However, Mr. Elder holds the same views. I don't jump to conclusions about people quickly. And I've been a supporter, uh, and I've been a supporter more and more over time of Mr. Elder. He could make a brilliant VP. Not, not going to screw that either. This is just me. Uh, this is just uh, me. We, or I think you mean my we two cents. Nothing more. Okay, cheers, Brit. All right. It's not a bad call either. So I'm kind of down. I think it could go pretty well actually. Uh, again, Larry Elders, let him fight. Let him cook. I want to see. Look, we're gonna have a very interesting debate stage. We're gonna have Kanye West. Uh, Donald Trump, Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, Pompeo dropped out, uh, Pence is backing out, possibly DeSantis, like, we're gonna have a very varied, huh, presidential GOP 2024 debate stage, and I cannot wait to see Larry Elders take it on, because he's gonna be one of the people that actually gives Trump a run for his money, and they agree on, like, 99% of things, but, whereas Larry Elders is pro-life a thousand percent no negotiations whatsoever trump actually is kind of a moderate on the topic he's a pro-choice type of guy i just swear to god look it up that being said i i think larry elders is probably the only genuine larry elders the vic ramaswamy are the only two people on the red that could actually maybe as time goes on give trump a run for his money and steal votes from him but that's just all the candidates we have so far, and who knows who's going to join in this. 2024 is shaping to be a wild fucking election. Just imagine the primaries, right? Kanye's running independent. So, either way, Kanye might end up with a, a, a spot on the national debate stage, because he'd win the primary for whatever party. It's Libertarian, I think he's running for? I don't know. Uh, some independent thing. Now, Imagine Kanye says some crazy kind of racist shit and Joe Biden just like slips into it. He's like, oh, I can do that on TV, man. All right. The fucking blacks, man. The black and the Jews, bro. Oh. Just Biden going all fucking ham on it. And just Kanye and Biden going racist fucking Trump just sits there like, holy shit. I just won. Meanwhile, you know, Biden and Kanye go just 
fucking trade the most racist shit back and forth. I'm actually down. And I love Kanye, so I'm always here for it. That being said, this has been Inside Four Walls. I've been Stuart Smasson, and I shall catch you guys later. Deuce. Oh, by the way, who do you want to see run for president? Let me know in the comments below. Larry Elder has been in California media forever, telling the truth in a really smart and sometimes hilarious way. He just ran for governor of California in a recall election against Gavin Newsom. He came up short after the state's media united to call him a white supremacist. Still makes us laugh. It's pretty offensive, actually. But he's not deterred. He has a major announcement for us tonight. Our friend Larry Elder joins us now. Larry, thanks so much for coming on. So, I'm so, and I'm sorry to laugh at that. I'm sure it's hard for you to laugh at, but it's just it's so insane. Um, so what are you up to next? But Tucker, you almost have to laugh at it. It's so ridiculous. And actually, the, yeah. the actual quote was, Larry Elder is the black face of white supremacy, Tucker. And the subheadline was, you've been warned. By the way, one other LA Times columnist <laughs> referred to my views as white supremacist. Why? Because I'm pro-life, because I don't buy the notion that America is systemically racist, because I want secure borders, because I want us to be energy uh, in independent instead of energy dependent, uh, because yes. I know that our urban schools are a disaster. Uh, so for all those reasons, I was called the black face of white supremacy and a white supremacist in terms of my views. My announcement, Tucker, is that I'm announcing that I'm running for the presidency of the United States on your program. And thank you wow. so much for giving me this honor and this platform. Of course. Uh, my website is elderforpresident.com, elderforpresident.com. And Tucker, the reason I'm doing this is because, you know, my father was a World War II vet. He served in, in, on, on the island of Guam. He was a Marine first black Marines, they were called Monfort Point Marines. My older brother, my late older brother Kirk, was in the Navy during the Vietnam era, and my little brother Dennis actually served in Vietnam in the Army. I'm the only one who didn't serve, and I don't feel good about that. Uh, I feel I have a moral, a religious, and a patriotic duty to give back to a country that's been so good to my family and to me, and that is why I'm doing this, Tucker. Well, it's a, that's amazing. Congratulations. It's a big decision to make. I, I, I'm very familiar with your views. I think I agree with all of them, pretty much. But if you were to narrow it down, just pick one or two, the issues that are animating you, that are making you feel like you've got to put everything on hold and do this, what are they? Well, aside from the obvious things about the borders I mentioned before, the crime, the, the yeah. uh, maligning of the police, there are a couple of things that I think our side does not spend enough time talking about. And that is the lie, the absolute disgraceful lie that the Democrats put on everything, which is that America is systemically racist. It isn't just a lie, Tucker. It's having real consequences. The police are pulling back. It's called the Ferguson effect or the George yes. Floyd effect. And the people who are, who are harmed by that are the very black and brown people that people on the left claim they care about. There's been a study that shows hundreds, if not thousands of people are now dead because the police are not engaging in proactive policing because they've been demoralized by people calling them racist. The second thing, Tucker, is the 10,000 pound elephant in the room regarding all of this stuff we see uh, in Chicago and some of these other cities with these mass mobs is the lack of fathers in the home. Right yeah. now, today in America, 40% of all kids enter the world without a father in the home married to the mother, 70% in the black community, 50% of Hispanics, 25% of whites. Now that's the same percentage as was the case of blacks back in 1965. The question we should be asking ourselves is, how do we go from having 25% black kids entering the world in 1965 without a father in the home married to the mother to 70% today? And the answer is the welfare state. We've incentivized women to marry the government. We've incentivized men to abandon their financial and more responsibility. And if I do nothing else in this race but focus people on those two issues, I would have, I would have performed a service to my country. 
Did you, I know that my father had, had the pivotal effect on my life. Was that true for you? Did your dad have an effect on the man you became? Absolutely, and my father never knew his biological father, uh, so it's not a death sentence, but my father uh, believed in hard work. Uh, he ended up working, uh, when he got out of the military, two full-time jobs cleaning toilets, Tucker. Started a little cafe when he was around 47 years old, ran it until his 80s, and when my dad died, he owned the property where the restaurant was, a little piece of property next door to it, plus a house from South Central that we still have in our own family. So the man had died with a net worth of a little bit under a million dollars. Not too bad for a kid from Athens, Georgia, Jim Crow South, whose mom threw him out of the house at the age of 13. That's what you can do in America. My dad, by the way, was a lifelong Republican. He said this about Democrats. Democrats want to give you something for nothing. When you try to get something for nothing, you almost always end up getting nothing for something. And my mom was a lifelong, uh, if I said Democrat, I meant Republican. My mom was a lifelong Democrat. And Tucker, they would have arguments over the kitchen table, uh, but nobody called anybody a fascist. Nobody said you only care about the rich. Nobody said you only care about the poor. They were able to debate these things civilly, and we ought to be able to do that in this country. Amen. That's, well, that's, an that's a really inspiring message. Larry Elder, congratulations on this decision. I'm glad you made the announcement here, and we'll see you again. Thanks. I appreciate it. Elderforpresident.com. <laughs>in a blue moon primetime finds itself agreeing with AOC now we were a little skeptical at first when we heard she was trash talking a bill banning TikTok usually when the United States is proposing a very major move that has something to do with significant risk to national security one of the first things that happens is that Congress receives a classified briefing and I can tell you that Congress has not received a classified briefing around the allegations of national security risks regarding TikTok so why would we be proposing a ban regarding such a significant issue without being clued in on this at all? It just doesn't feel right. But AOC's gut feeling was right this time because my producers just went through the TikTok bill, all 55 pages, and it looks like the Patriot Act for the internet. And if you remember, the Patriot Act was used and abused by the government. They said it was to fight terror after 9-11, which it did, but they also ended up fighting us with it. Hey, welcome back to Inside Four Walls for a fairly dystopian, cyber hellish episode. We're over here to InfoWars for an article written by Ron Paul, the man, the myth, the liberty-loving grandpa himself. The Restrict Act restricts more than TikTok by Ron Paul. April 3rd, 2023, we will get to a more recent article about this. Like the Patriot Act. The Restrict Act plays on people's fears to make them silent while Congress takes away more of their liberties. This bill is a blatant violation of the First Amendment that the Founders intended to protect our rights to engage in political speech and to share political information and opinions with others. And they're saying, oh, we're getting rid of TikTok. Yeah, we're getting rid of TikTok. Only TikTok. But there's all sorts of special liberties granted the federal government to spy, tap, and investigate. And guess what? There's nothing on here that actually says we'll get rid of TikTok at all. Not a single fucking line. There's references to it. There's allusions to it. But nothing saying, infirm, it's over. Let's continue. 
support of supporters of expanding the federal police state have found a new boogeyman to scare the people into sur- surrendering their liberty. TikTok. TikTok is a social media platform that allows users to upload their own videos. It is used by tens of millions of Americans and is one of the most popular websites in the world. TikTok's popularity and the fact that it is owned by Beijing-based company ByteDance has led to the spread of the claim that the site is controlled by the Chinese government. Thus, the claim the Chinese government is using TikTok to collect data on U.S. citizens, they absolutely are. Senate's Senate Intelligence Committee, Mark Warner, introduced last month the Restrictions Act, the Emergencies of Security Threat at Risk Information, and Commission's Technology Act, Restrict Act. Goddamn. The bill is being marketed as a way to protect Americans from foreign governments and use social media to spy on Americans. The Restrict Act makes no mention of TikTok or ByteDance. The Chinese government is mentioned only once in the bill. When it is designated as a foreign adversary, along with five other governments, what the bill does do is give the Secretary of Commerce the power to, quote, identify deter, uh, identify, deter, disrupt, prevent, prohibit, investigate, or otherwise mitigate any risk of arising from any covered transaction by any person or with respect to any property. The Secretary of Commerce determines, quote, pose an undue or unacceptable risk in a laundry list of areas. Among those areas are coercive or criminal activities by a foreign adversary that are designed to undermine democratic processes and institutions or steal policy and regulatory decisions in favor of a strategic objectives of a foreign adversary to the determinant of a national security of the United States. So the U.S. could shut down an American social media company based on the Secretary of Commerce's determination that the website, while not actually doing anything to weaken America, poses an unacceptable risk that it will? Question mark. The TikTok controversy has taken attention away from the disturbing Twitter files, a release of communications between Twitter's employees and governmental agencies. The communications show how much government influenced big tech companies' decisions regarding suppressing stories and deplatforming users if the Restrict Act becomes the Restrict Law. Any site that refuses to cooperate with future efforts by the U.S. government to suppress certain stories and individuals on social media could find itself accused of working to advance the, quote, strategic objectives of a foreign adversary. Those who doubt this should ever consider how people who question the U.S. foreign policy are smeared as Russian agents. The Restrict Act's potential victims are sites like Rumble. Rumble is a censorship-free alternative to YouTube. Rumble's commitment to free speech is so strong that it chose to block access to its site in France instead of complying with French law bans. Uh, French law banning Russia Today and other Russian news sources from French social media. Like the Patriot Act, the Restrict Act plays on people's emotions and fear to make them silent while Congress takes away more of their liberty. This bill is a blatant violation of the First Amendment that the Founding Fathers intended to protect our right 
to incur uh, to engage in political speech and share political information and opinions with others. We should stop Congress from violating our rights to discuss and share ideas on TikTok elsewhere that challenge the political class. This article first appeared at ronpaulinstitute.org. In its short six-year lifespan, Beijing-based company ByteDance's TikTok has surpassed Google.com with well over 2 billion downloads worldwide. From the outset, the Chinese algorithm source code had been collecting the habits and inner intent of every single user, building a psychological profile of each user while addicting them to content promoting self-harm by catering to their preferences and habits, most of them children. The more time that middle and high schoolers spend on social media, the evidence is the more likely they are to experience depression and anxiety. And this is particularly troubling since apparently 16% of American teenagers report that they use TikTok, quote, almost constantly. That's, I think, about 5 million teenagers in this country that are on TikTok um, all the time. Mr. Chu, your algorithms prioritize providing harmful content directly to children, like self-harm challenges and even suicide. I know you know about the blackout challenge, which others may know as the choking challenge that encourages children to bring them to the point of unconsciousness, or in some cases, tragically, death. You gotta kill yourself. And I'm gonna put a shotgun in my mouth and blow the brains out of the back of my head. Cool. Uh, in, in 2019, TikTok was hit with the largest civil penalty uh, by the Federal Trade Commission in a children's privacy case. Uh, four years later, TikTok still has not taken suffi- sufficient action to fix the problems. Uh, I assume because child users are incredibly profitable to your bottom line. You know, TikTok could be designed to minimize the harm uh, to kids, but a decision was made uh, to aggressively addict kids in the name of profits. Do you know how many children have died because of this? Do you have any idea? Can you tell me? Uh, uh, Congressman, again, it's heartbreaking. Can you tell me if how many children in America have died because of challenges like this? The majority of pe- people who use our platform use it for positive experiences. They are, I, I, that's not what I ask you. I some, ask you, tell me the number of children, of U.S. children who have died because of these challenges. Dangerous challenges are not allowed on our platform. If we find them, we will remove them. We take this very I, seriously. Obviously, you found one today and you removed it. We had to bring it to your attention and I know I'm out of time. Thank you for being here. Welcome again to the most bipartisan committee in Congress. Lurking under the surface of the seemingly most bipartisan committee in Congress addressing the TikTok distraction lies communist-level legislation like the Restrict Act, for example, which authorizes the Secretary of Commerce to review and prohibit certain transactions between persons in the U.S. and foreign adversaries investigating tech products and services that could pose national security risks. The Restrict Bill would allow any software hardware, or any other product or service integral to the telecommunications products and services with over 1 million users to now be at the government's disposal to review, prosecute, and take possession of, 
including your home security system. The federal government could review all of your personal information without notification, banning any game application or anything they deem fit if it poses a risk. Those prosecuted under this legislation would find themselves facing up to 20 years in prison and or up to a million dollars in fines if they were also using a VPN. This would be the final death knell to free speech on the internet. We need a tool that is rules-based that not only takes this current issue at hand, but also think about Chinese Communist Party-controlled artificial intelligence or quantum computing or synthetic biology. We need a tool on a going forward basis, not just the kind of whack-a-mole one-off approach we've had so far. Any fool still using the <laughs> mass mind-controlling TikTok is merely a rat in a totalitarian cage, under the boot of a rabid hydra of propaganda, growing in power as technocrats reach the coming singularity of artificial intelligence, sacrificing their personal data at the altar of the Communist Party and the global psyop eugenic engineers. John Bound reporting. The fight against the New World Order is now the top story in the world. The globalists are in deep trouble, but they're striking back with all their deep state operatives to shut down InfoWars and other truth tellers like. Gotcha. Alrighty, moving on. Wanted to make sure that anything else coming up wasn't related to this. Now let's get the first three comments. Losing 1994, Anthrax Bio-Warfare, the week after, Airborne Anthrax. Uh, Louis, same guy, see, uh, Sovereign, uh, Sovereignty Soldier, not shutting up for anyone. Make a rule, make a law, but when you try to enforce it, just know we are all ready to fight anyone who tries. Sovereign soldier out here spinning uh, spin some uh, some fire. Sir Jeremy, U.S. Gov only can spy on your on our own citizens. Also, we can't censor TikTok, so it needs to be banned. Yeah, pretty much. Now let's hop over here. Exclusive corrupt Senator Mark Warner Restrict Act is a is the Patriot Act for elections that give the government enormous power. Or uh, sorry, yeah, enormous power, forcing countries, counties, sorry, to enable, quote, Albert Censor, or mandate other sinister election activities by Joe Hoft, April 19th, 2023. The Restrict Act will allow the, will allow the federal government to steal elections and shut Americans up about election integrity contributors. Uh, Estaca News and David and Aaron Clements. Oh, okay. Last week, we published an article detailing the Orwellian elec uh, election surveillance who called Albert Censors, which we put in a place by which were put in place by the Department of Homeland Security (DHS) through a private partner called the Center for Internet Security (CIS). The tool provides the capability to observe real-time election data. CIS is funded in part by a major non-governmental organization, Democracy Fund, and has also started guiding policy on non-voting technology. The use of this term is highly ironic as the nubious landscape of non-voting technology not only interfe uh, 
interfaces with all voting technology, but provides the capacity to control an entire election from inflating voter rules and modifying voter totals to illegal to illegally overriding local election laws overriding local election laws conservatives are looking for ways to boycott uh, move past that one almost immediately reports came in that these articles and the discussion about them with joe hoft and are on the conservative daily podcast were being censored by twitter Ooh, that's an hour long. I'll leave a link to this in the description below if you want to watch that. In the end, or in this new era of uh, <clears throat> of supposed free speech on Twitter, sorry, let me drink some of this real quick. I just get like a random dry spot on your uvula, and it feels like it's sticking. Uh, anyway, in this new era of supposed free speech on Twitter. Why would publicly available facts about government surveillance program be censored? Does the DHS still have its hooks in Twitter? Absolutely. A lot of employees so loyal there are just working double time on both sides. We know now that 9-11 was used as a false as a pretext to justify the Patriot Act dismantling the Fourth Amendment. The Patriot Act was introduced as a measure to spy on foreign terrorists, but was shortly twisted into a domestic spying program. Look up um, Love Int. Look up Love Int to get a, like a, a concept of this in a smaller example. Love Int is the practice of intelligence service employees making use of their extensive monitoring capabilities to spy on their love interest or spouse. The term was coined uh, in resemblance to intelligence terminology such as synced, compt, or hmt. It stands for love intelligence. Mm-mm. Now enter the Im- improbable story of a 21-year-old National Guardsman, Jack Texera, leaking top-secret documents to justify the Restrict Act. Legacy Media has dis- I was talking about this too on the episode about Jack Texera. Legacy Media has disclosed the Restrict Act as a measure merely to ban TikTok, a Chinese social media app, even though TikTok is not even mentioned in the bill. I thought it was, but I guess China was just referenced once. The Restrict Act is actually a sinister attack on the First Amendment. The, this act is introduced by corrupt Democrat Senator Mark Warner of Russian collusion fame. Warner was in on the scandal from the start and was behind the request from Mueller special counsel it was a lie. Report. Uh, Mark Warner. Okay. Non quote. Secretary. The secretary is authorized. Is authorized to and shall take action to identify, deter, disrupt, prevent, prohibit, investigate, and otherwise mitigate, including by neg- uh, neg- uh, <laughs> negotiating entering into or proposing and enforcing any mitigation measures to address any risk arising from any covered uh, transaction by any person. Any person, meaning you or me as well. Or with respect to any property, meaning your house purchases will be looked at too. Subject to the jurisdiction of the United States that the secondary determines the secretary determines 
interference in or altering the results or reported results of, federal, of a federal election, as determined by coordination with the Attorney General, the District of National Intelligence, the Director of National Intelligence. Let me, I'm fucking my glasses. Two, I've just made like three big fucking goofs reading. Let me put my glasses on. I fucking hate these things. Plus, I'm rushing because I got, it's 2.05 and I have a plasma donation at 3. Uh, and institutions, regulatory, designed to, uh, let's see, federal elections, commission or <coughs> coercive or criminal activities by a foreign adversary that are designed to undermine democratic uh, processes and institutions or steer policy and regulatory decisions in favor of the strategic objectives of a foreign adversary to the uh, determined of the... Uh, <coughs> of the national security of the United States as determined in coordination with the Attorney General, the Director of National Intelligence, the Secretary of Treasury, and the Federal Elections Commission. My God, that's a lot of alphabet boys. In other words, the federal government can decide that spying on local election networks is necessary to mitigate any supposed threat of any foreign entity and local jurisdictions will not be able to prevent them. In fact, Opting out of the Albert Censor surveillance program will become a federal crime, just as the Patriot Act was purported uh, was purported up or propped up to monitor the activities of foreign terrorism threats, but instead used against American citizens domestically. The Restrict Act will be used against all that question the legitimacy of elections by making such advocacy a crime. The state, uh, the bill states that activities by foreign adversaries, let me zoom in a little bit. Well. Yeah, I guess I'm not, uh, zooming in. That kind of sucks. Oh, well. Nope, nope, not zooming in. Oh, well. The bill states that activities by foreign adversaries to steal election, I read that right. Uh, policy and regulatory decisions will become a crime if they undermine the democratic processes. But the foreign distinction is a fiction because corrupt intelligence officials routinely accuse American citizens of collusion with foreign actors. Look no further than the years-long Russia collusion hoax. Impeachment hoax 1 and impeachment hoax 2, all perpetrated by the legacy media and three-letter agencies in the desperate attempt to derail Donald Trump's presidency. Also, Hillary Clinton famously called Tulsi Gabbard, a sitting senator from Hawaii, a Russian asset, and claimed Gabbard was being groomed by that foreign adversary for a third run against her. While the country... Interesting. While the country largely laughed off Clinton's totally baseless accusations against Gabbard, we know that people with less powers and visibility than Senator Gabbard are being actively uh, persecuted by our government, ostensibly for simply being conservative and criticizing the government and the radical left-wing agenda and illegally protesting what they believe to be a stolen 2020 election. The Restrict Act provides legal cover to punish those they deem have undermined democratic processes. That phrase is eerily like one used by Joe Biden in his September 
first 2022 speech where he stated that MAGA Republicans are a clear and present danger to American democracy. The weaponized FBI and DOJ are making an absolute mockery of the criminal justice system and the rule of law. In their barbaric treatment of the January 6th prisoners, the FBI violently arrested a peaceful pro-life activist in front of his young children before he was acquitted on all charges by a jury. The FBI determined that slang like red pills or based, which are used by millions of Americans, are now indications of extremism. The Restrict Act is a Trojan horse for Orwellian Albert censors to become a permanent fixture in the surveillance and manipulation of elections, all to the benefit of the Marxist Democrats and captured rhino Republicans. In 2017, a group of lef- leftist experts formed Obama, uh, former Obama officials and Atlantic Council used an unsubstantiated claim of Russian interference in the 2016 elections to purchase old election equipment on eBay to document hacks break-ins into the equipment for hours at DEFCON, a hacking conference followed by a demonstration they held at a forum, which their panel of experts trashed the machines, made fun of how old and vulnerable they were, and undermined the credibility of the manufacturers themselves. But since they were leftists, None of the people involved in the extensive effort were accused of undermining democracy or were sued for defamation uh, by the election machine manufacturers. <laughs> Shout out to Fox News, cucks. Similarly, a Harvard Kennedy School Belfer Center for Science and International Affairs openly discussed a collaboration effort with Communist China on cybersecurity issues at the same time they were working on development in electronic uh, election security and combating so-called disinformation attacks on elections. The Belfer Center has received no criticism for mixing their chummy relationships with the communist China, with guidance of American election policy, or for their role in suppression of the Judge Grassroots Election Integrity Movement. The two-tiered system of justice that has arisen in America will become unstoppably entrenched if the Restrict Act passes, since even criticism of that two-tiered system of justice will be twisted by our government in uh, into a crime undermining democracy and national security. The Restrict Act and Alberta program must be shut down, or the United States will become an unrecognizable place. Please contact the U.S. Senator. Uh, contact. Uh, the U.S. Senate and encourage them to not pass Restrict Act. Article by Joe Hoft. Any comments? Let's look at the comments. First three. Michael Ryan. Liberals are getting more and more desperate by the hour. Lee Lee J409. Welcome to the Soviet States of America. Sayo, comrade. Sayo. The Saint. I think Senator Tr- S- Senator Thune, a Republican, will probably replace McConnell as GOP leader. Ooh, that's interesting. Coast leader co-sponsored the restrict act i don't doubt it they argue the political theater stage but behind the curtains they all agree against us yeah that being said i'm gonna wrap it up here this has been inside four walls i gotta go go donate so you know ron paul done warned you
four months ago, the United States Senate and then the United States House came together to ban the app TikTok on all federal government devices, on tablets, on phones, on computers, on federal contractors and their devices as well. We acted just a few months ago with a sense of urgency because we decided that TikTok was a national security threat, a privacy threat, yes, a data threat, yes, but above all, a national security threat. And we were right to act just those few months ago. And now we must take the next step to ban TikTok nationwide to protect the security of every single American whose personal lives, whose personal data, whose personal security is in danger from the Chinese Communist Party in Beijing. And it's time to act now because we've seen just in the last week, the TikTok CEO come before the United States Congress and confirm that the reasons we acted four months ago were right and valid, and that the need at this hour is urgent. In this last week, we learned, uh, we or should say we confirmed from the testimony of the TikTok CEO, that TikTok has the ability to track Americans' data to track Americans' location, to track Americans' personal lives, whether they want it to or not. What am I talking about? Well, TikTok tracks your keystrokes. Now think about that for a second. It's not just the videos you may upload if you have the app on your phone. It's not just the videos that you watch. It's the keystrokes that you enter, and not just while you are on the app, oh no. It tracks your keystrokes all the time. What you're texting, what you're emailing, it tracks your contact list. It reads your phone list. We believe based on independent third-party analysis that it can get into email. And it does this whether or not the user consents. In fact, there's no way to turn it off. Americans are subject to this ongoing data collection at all hours of the day and night, even if they've got TikTok turned off on their phone. What else have we learned? Well, that TikTok is monitoring the location of Americans. It's not just your keystrokes, it's your location data. Where are you right now? What is it that you are doing? Where are you moving to? Are you in a car? Are you in a building? What floor are you on? TikTok can use the settings of your phone to track exactly where Americans are. And we know that they've been doing this. TikTok has been gathering this data, not just on American citizens, but also on American journalists. We know that they are able to see what journalists are saying, to see where journalists are going. New whistleblower revelations have shown that TikTok has spied on particular American journalists and tried to track them, tried to learn what they are writing, tried to control in essence, or at least get an understanding of what their message might be. Think about this, an app on your phone that tracks your keystrokes, that reads your personal information, that tracks journalists around, that tracks your location, you can't do anything about it, and we haven't even gotten to the worst part. The worst part is, all of this information is accessible to engineers based in China, accessible to the Chinese Communist Party. When he was asked about this last week, the CEO of TikTok didn't deny this espionage. No, what he said instead is, well, I don't think spying is the right way to describe it. Maybe he preferred the word surveillance. Maybe he preferred the word monitoring. 
Maybe he preferred the word tracking, but I actually think spying just about captures it. The problem with TikTok is not the videos on the app. The problem with TikTok is it's a backdoor for the Chinese Communist Party into the personal lives and information, into the most intimate details of every American's life. And we know the link between TikTok and the Chinese Communist Party is real, and we know that it is strong. TikTok is a wholly owned subsidiary of the Chinese parent company, ByteDance. We know that ByteDance has Chinese Communist Party members in its senior leadership. In fact, ByteDance's editor-in-chief is a Communist Party secretary. We know the Communist Party has done trainings for TikTok and ByteDance personnel. We have video of it being done in Beijing, in China. Whistleblowers have come forward to my office and to others and given us evidence that China-based engineers are able to access Americans' personal data at any time that they want. Again, the CEO was, did not deny that last week. No, the links to the Chinese Communist Party are real and they are inscribed in Chinese law. This isn't just a matter of what TikTok may want to do. No, TikTok as a wholly owned subsidiary of the Chinese parent company is subject to Chinese law, which both the 2014 espionage law in that country and their 2017 national security law, which require, require the company to turn over data that the Chinese Communist Party, that Beijing may request under those laws, they must make Americans' data available, must make it available to Chinese Communist officials. This is in addition to the CCP members who are actually senior officials in these companies, who work in these companies, who have access to Americans' data as I stand here and speak to you today. The intent of China in all of this is quite clear. They want to build a profile on every single American. We know that many of the recent data hacks of credit agencies, of, of other digital repositories of Americans' personal information have been carried out by Communist China. They are hungry for information about the American people. They are gathering it on everybody that they can, as much as they can, just like they do to their own citizens. And they're using the app TikTok to do it. Of course, that's not the only way that the Chinese Communist Party has tried to gather information on Americans. This is certainly not the only time that they've done it. Think about the Confucius Institutes all across the country that the CCP funded on America's college campuses. Think about the researchers that they funded and tried to place into key programs, key institutes and universities all across the country. Heaven's sakes, think about the Chinese spy balloon that just went over this country right over my home state of Missouri just a few weeks ago, photographing everything that they could. Now, this is, this is a pattern. The difference is, in those cases, we addressed it. We shut down the Confucius Institutes. Those who have lied about the money that they have gotten from China, the funding that they have gotten, have in some cases been prosecuted for attempted espionage on America's college campuses. And the spy balloon was belatedly shot down but shot down at least. No, we've taken action in these other instances to protect Americans, to stop the efforts of the CCP, to spy on America, to collect Americans' data, to put Americans at risk, 
and now we must do the same thing with TikTok. This is why President Trump in the previous administration tried to ban it. Well, let's not forget, this isn't the beginning of this debate. This is the end of it. We've been at this for years now. Years ago, the last administration tried to ban TikTok for all of these same national security reasons that led us as a Congress to ban it on federal devices. Oh, this has been a long time coming. There's no rush to judgment here. This is what administration after administration has concluded, that it's time to take action. Here's the real truth, that if it were the Confucius Institutes, this Chinese spy balloon, if it were some American company that was coordinating with a foreign ally, we'd shut it down immediately. And we have done in these other cases. But with TikTok, now TikTok says, oh, no, 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 but you can't do that to us. You, you can't hold us accountable. We have a special carve out. No, we have the First Amendment. The First Amendment protects us. Well, I must have missed the class in law school where we covered the First Amendment right to spy. Last time I checked my constitution, there was no such protection. And I can be darn sure that there is no special First Amendment carve out for communists. Now, the First Amendment may protect dance videos, sure, upload those all you want, but the First Amendment does not protect the right to spy on American citizens. It does not protect espionage. It does not protect what the Chinese Communist Party is trying to do in harvesting the data of millions of Americans. Now, TikTok has no special First Amendment carve out. They don't get special privileges that no other entity or an American company would get. They're subject to the same rules. And when you try to spy on American citizens, when you try to use Americans' own phones as portals for collection, that ought to be stopped. You ought to be banned. And the fact that they are a China-based company shouldn't help them or hurt them. The fact is their ties to Beijing, their ties to the CCP, their ongoing efforts at espionage, and their ongoing lies, by the way, to this body. This is a company that has come before this body and lied time and time again. They said that they weren't controlled by ByteDance. Now we know they are. They said that China's China-based engineers couldn't access American user data. Now we know they can. They said that the CCP had no influence. And yet last week, the CEO of TikTok couldn't even confirm that the CCP hadn't helped write his talking points. Now this is a, an entity, this is a corporate interest that is influenced, if not controlled, by the Chinese Communist Party. The national security risks are severe and growing worse. And I haven't even talked about, I haven't even talked about the materials on suicide promotion that you'll find on TikTok. I haven't talked about the risks to mental health that it may pose. And there's a reason that TikTok isn't even available in China. Did you know that? In China, TikTok isn't available. Why is that? Well, it's because Beijing isn't stupid. They know it's digital fentanyl. TikTok wasn't designed to make our lives better. TikTok is designed to addict and then to be used as a gateway into our personal lives. It's designed to addict and then to be used as a portal to spy on American citizens. Now, I tell you what, here's one thing that has changed since just December, a few months ago when we banned TikTok on 
federal government devices, TikTok has gone into full damage control mode. And as big tech companies do all the time, they've hired a fleet of lobbyists and have spent untold amounts of cash. I'm told that even today, TikTok lobbyists have been seen here in the building. I've no doubt that they are scurrying around right now. Maybe they're in the galleries. I just say this, that we have the opportunity today to send a message to this corporate interest that the United States Senate is not for sale that we cannot be bought, that we cannot be purchased, we cannot be influenced by their lobbying campaign, by their corporate money, that we will instead side with the American people. We'll tell the truth about what this app is. We'll do our jobs and protect Americans. Now, some say that we ought to have a broader bill that would not actually ban TikTok, but would give new authority to the executive branch and leave it open. I don't agree with that. My view is we should act decisively to ban TikTok directly. We shouldn't give new open-ended authority to federal bureaucrats. We should target this threat specifically. That's what this bill does that we have before us today. It goes right at the problem. It bans TikTok in this country. It protects the American people. And it sends the message to communist China that you cannot buy us. And so, I ask unanimous consent that the Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs be discharged from further consideration of S-85 and the Senate proceed to its immediate consideration. I further ask that the bill be considered read a third time and passed and that the motion to reconsider be considered made and laid upon the table. Is there an objection? Madam President. Senator from Kentucky. Reserving the right to object. There are two main reasons why we might not want to do this. The one would be the First Amendment to the Constitution. Speech is protected whether you like it or not. The second reason would be is that the Constitution actually prohibits bills of attainder. You're not allowed to have a specific bill against a person or a company. So this fails on two egregious points, pretty obvious points, and I think we ought to think about that. I think we should beware of those who peddle fear. I think we should beware of those who use fear to coax Americans to relinquish our liberties, to regulate and limit our First Amendment rights. Every accusation of data gathering that's been attributed to TikTok could also be attributed to domestic big tech companies. In fact, one of the bills they're looking at doing is broad enough that the president will be given the power to designate whatever country he sees fit to be an adversary and whatever company underneath that definition. It would basically be a limitless authority for the president to ban speech. If Republicans want to continuously lose elections for a generation, they should pass this bill to ban TikTok, a social media app used by 150 million people, primarily young Americans. This brilliant strategy comes while polls indicate that 71% of young women and men 53% of young men voted for a Democrat candidate for Congress. Admittedly, many Democrats have joined Republicans in calling for this ban, but like most issues, the blame will stick to the Republicans more. The Republican strategy to ban TikTok comes simultaneously with GOP complaints of domestic social media companies canceling and censoring conservatives. Without a hint of irony, many of these same conservatives now rail against censorship while advocating for censorship against social media apps they worry are influenced by the Chinese. 
Before banning TikTok, these censors might want to discover that China already bans TikTok. Hmm, do we really want to emulate Chinese speech bans? Aren't we the ones that say it's wrong for China to ban speech, so we're going to be just like China and ban speech we're afraid of? The Vice President of Freedom Works, John Tamney, perhaps described this situation best. Nauseating harassment of TikTok presumes Americans will be saved from Chinese authoritarianism if U.S. politicians act like Chinese authoritarians. We're going to be saved from speech if we ban it in our country. My goodness, could we think of anything more antithetical to the freedom of speech? Well, go to the app. They say, oh, the app's full of propaganda and your young people will be dancing into communism. Well, go to the app and search for Falun Gong, the anti-communist religious sect that is persecuted in China. Go to TikTok and search for videos advocating Taiwan's independence, criticism of Chinese President Xi Jinping. Videos are all over TikTok that are critical of official Chinese positions. That's why TikTok is banned in China. Do we want to follow China's lead in banning speech? We should not let fear of communism to cause us to ignore our First Amendment protections of speech. This legislation violates not only the First Amendment of those who own TikTok, many of whom are actually Americans, not Chinese, but it also violates the First Amendment rights of the millions of young Americans who use this social media app. I asked the American people, do you want Joe Biden to be your censor? Do you want to give unlimited power to any president, regardless of, of party, to decide who is our adversary and which uh, countries, and then which countries? There's not even a list of what percentage. What if, what if somebody, what if the Chinese own 1% of a company or 10% of a company? One of the bills before us would allow the Department of Commerce to decide. There's five countries they list that are adversaries. These are big countries that have a lot of interaction with our countries, with our country already. Decide which country in addition to the five. The Department of Commerce can designate a country as an adversary, but then they can designate a company. But there's no specific, does, do, the, do the new people that are designated to be an adversary have to own 100% of the company, 50% of the company, 1% of the company? This is a crazy gift of power to one person. And I don't care which party they're in, it's a huge mistake. Doctors Muller and Farhad of Georgia Tech write, if nationalist fears about Chinese influence operations lead to a departure from American constitutional principles supporting free and open political discourse, we will have succeeded in undermining our system of government more effectively than any Chinese propaganda. Throughout the 20th century, millions of people were fed communist propaganda every day for their entire lives. And when the regimes collapsed, the people celebrated. They danced on the Berlin Wall and on the grave of communism. Have faith, have faith that our Americans are smart enough to hear bad ideas and reject those ideas. Have faith that our desire for freedom is strong enough to survive a few dance videos. Have some faith in freedom. We don't ban things that are unpopular in the United States. Our constitution even allows a communist party. The previous speaker said, and I quote, There's no First Amendment carve-out for communists. Well, actually, there is. 
In our society, you can be a communist. I don't advocate it. I think it's a terrible idea. And almost no Americans choose it. But there's a communist party here. We actually had a former CIA director who said he voted for the communist candidate in 1976. Someone I don't advise you would appoint to be the head of your CIA. But this is a free country. You can actually have terrible ideas and you can broadcast them. That's what freedom of speech is about. It's not about saying, oh, you know, I love Mother Teresa. It's not about saying things uncontroversial. It's about the ability to say things that people don't like. Have some faith in freedom. Our Constitution does protect even despicable speech, even the Communist Party. It operates today. Nobody wants to join the Communist Party, but you still can if you wish. America is a country that celebrates free expression, that cherishes free association, that is confident in the cause of liberty. If you want to address the evils of big tech, it's not the Chinese government you have to fear, but your own. In June 2021, Newsweek reported that big tech complied with 85% of government requests to hand over your personal data. So you're worried about the Chinese government? Your government has all of your data and they're sucking it up from all the big tech. So the thing is, is your next step to ban big tech in our country? There are some people that are promoting banning TikTok and their next step is Facebook. This is on both sides of the aisle. This contagion is infecting the whole country, both parties. Realize that this means with 85% of government requests to big tech being honored, this means that Facebook, Google, Apple, Microsoft, once presented with a subpoena or a warrant, routinely hands over the documents of emails, text messages, photos, documents, calendars, contact lists, and more to your government. Big tech puts up virtually no legal fight to protect your privacy. They could go to court to stop this. Instead, there's a big cable that runs from big tech to the government, and they snoop on every bit of our information. So you want to protect privacy? Why don't we start by protecting our own privacy in this country? To those who are worried that the Chinese government might somehow now have access to millions of Americans' teenage information, Realize that all social media sucks up personal data that people voluntarily provide. If you're going to ban TikTok, what's next? Arguably, several domestic apps censor conservatives more than TikTok. I know this because I've been censored and I've been banned. I've had speeches on the Senate floor that are protected by the Constitution, banned and kicked off of YouTube. I despise these people, but I'm not going to vote to ban them because I realized that intellectually, in a free country, I don't have the right to tell the New York Times to publish my op-ed or YouTube to publish my speech. I don't like what they do. Quit using them. That's what happens in a free country. You don't like TikTok? Quit using them. But don't disenfranchise 150 million Americans who are using a social media app and just say, no big deal. This is the First Amendment rights of 150 million Americans. I have a host of complaints about domestic social media platforms. They cancel conservatives, but I'm not in favor of banning one of them or regulating their speech or telling them who can post and who can't post. That's what the First Amendment's about. If you don't like TikTok or Facebook or YouTube, don't use them. But don't think that any interpretation of the Constitution gives you the right to ban them. TikTok's mission appears to be, like most other companies, to make money and lots of it. TikTok is actually cooperating with our government. 
There's something called the Committee on Foreign Investment in the U.S., CFIUS, and TikTok's agreed to put all of their data in Oracle's cloud, and they have agreed to work with the U.S. government because they so much want to make money, they will do anything to try to get rid of this, this accusation that they're somehow part of the Communist Party, which is not true. It's a company that's owned probably the majority of it by Americans and Europeans and other Asians outside of China. Less than 50% of it's owned by any Chinese. There is no Chinese government of the American TikTok. But even that being said, they're willing to put all of it under the Oracle cloud. They're willing to have US regulators be given access to this, all because they want to continue to make money. They don't want to be shut down by the censors. The First Amendment isn't necessary to protect speech that everybody accepts. The First Amendment exists to protect speech that might be unpopular or might be controversial. U.S. courts have already struck down the Trump ban on TikTok. It amazes me now that the other side that was so horrified by the idea of President Trump banning something has now jumping on board to ban it themselves. I hope center minds will reflect on which is more dangerous, videos of teenagers dancing or the precedent of the U.S. government banning speech. For me, it's an easy answer. I will defend the Bill of Rights against all comers, even if need be, from members of my own party. I object. The, object, the objection is heard. President. Senator from Missouri. Would the uh, Senator from K Kentucky entertain a question? I object. No. The objection is heard. Madam President. Senator from Missouri. Madam President, I have never before heard on this floor a defense of the right to spy. I didn't realize that the First Amendment contained a right to espionage. The Senator from Kentucky mentions the Bill of Rights. I must have missed the right of Chinese governments to spy on Americans in our Bill of Rights because that's what we're talking about here. Oh, the senator from Kentucky can watch as many dance videos as he wants. I have no objection to that. Could watch them on this floor for all I care, fine. What I object to is the Communist Chinese Party using this app on Americans' phones to spy on Americans without their consent. The senator says that Americans can simply not use this app, just turn it off. That's not the case. If you turn it off, it continues to collect information. You don't get to consent. TikTok doesn't ask you, do you want to share your information? It takes it. It doesn't ask you for permission to track your location. It takes it. It doesn't ask you for permission to share it with the Communist Chinese Party. It just does it. That's the problem. Scour the Constitution. Scour the First Amendment. I promise you, you won't find any right to espionage. You won't find any right to spy. And this, this novel right that the senator thinks he has discovered for Americans to be spied upon. I've never heard of such a thing in the history of this country. I'm astounded to learn that Americans have the right to be spied upon. So not only does China apparently get the right to spy in the First Amendment, Americans have the inalienable right to be spied upon and have all of their data taken from them. That apparently is democracy. That's not democracy. That is the abuse of our laws, the abuse of our economy, the abuse of our people by a foreign government for its purposes. So I say again, watch dance videos to your heart's content. 
but spy on Americans, that's where we have to draw the line. As to money, the senator said, and I think he's exactly right, that TikTok wants to make money, no doubt about it. And my, the money they are making, and my, the money that they are showering on this building, and it is having an effect. But in the end, the American people don't want to be treated as commodities to be bought and sold. Because make no mistake, it's the American people who are being bought and sold here by TikTok. They're being sold to the Chinese Communist Party for influence and money. They're being sold for the wishes and the whims of Beijing. And they're being lied to every step of the way. How old is too old to be president? Too old to be president is an age where you're scared that you might not live to see the next day because a country is depending on you right. to run them. Also, as long as you don't have any like mental health problems, like say you have dementia and you're sort of losing your memory a little bit, yeah. and people with dementia, they're, they're perfectly good people, but yeah. they're probably not the best kind of person to run a country because they might not remember everything. Yeah, you're eerily describing what Joseph R. Biden is going through right now. Welcome back to Inside Four Walls. I'm your host, James Madison, and is it even recording? Yes, it is. Okay, cool. Sorry about that. I had a little bit of a system crash while I was trying to record this, so let's get right into it. Biden to launch 2024 re-election campaign next week. At least that's what the report is. Now, uh, till DR, I'm just curious to see how withered he would be, because if he got re-elected by the time he left office, it'd be 2029. Can you imagine what Joe Biden would look like? By the year 2029, if he was still supposedly in power, that's a fucking wilted old man. If he even made it that far in Minecraft, ooh, in Minecraft. Now, I do think it's elder abuse if they let him run. If Joe Biden's family actually stands behind him and encourages him to run instead of seeking help and you know going to the nursing home or getting the medications or whatever then Joe Biden's fucked and his parent and his wife and son need to be tried for elder abuse. But let's get right into this article. By Victor Nava. Biden is expected to formally announce the launch of his presidential re-election campaign next week, according to multiple reports. The 80-year-old president and his team are finalizing plans to release a video announcement on April 25th, the four-year anniversary of the start of his successful... Hmm, 2020 campaign, the Washington Post reports, hey, I'm not Fox News, I can have my opinions. However, the outlet also reported, citing people with knowledge of Biden's plans, that the kickoff could be delayed even further. Nice, of course. They need to get the basement all furnished for the next, you know, cycle. Biden, 
Currently, the oldest president in U.S. history would be 86 if he was when he is reelected, and leave office as and if he leaves office as scheduled in January 2029. Jesus Christ, he's gonna be so fucking. Anyway, the president has long said he intends to run for re-election, and First Lady Jill Biden said in February that her husband would seek a second term. Anyway, First Lady Jill Biden has said he would seek uh, a second term in February, moving on, that her husband would seek that second term. I just kind of stroked out, whatever. The First Lady reportedly began uh, preparations for her husband's run in September of last year, along with White House advisors Anita Dunn, Mike uh, Donilon, and Jerry O'Malley Dillon. The timing of when the announcement uh, of when to announce Biden's 2024 run has reportedly been a source of debate among his inner circle advisors and close allies told Axios oof, earlier this month that they didn't expect the president to formally announce his candidacy before his before the summer with some members of his team reportedly pushing to hold off until some uh, until after the start of the third political fundraising quarter in July 1st. Probably not a bad call. Last year, it was suggested that Biden would announce soon after the start of 2023. The second political fundraising quarter ends June 30th, giving Biden just two months to reap post-announcement donations if his campaign launches next week. Anti-vaccine advocate Robert F. Kennedy and self-help guru Marion Wilmeson both have launched long-shot 2024 bids to challenge Biden for the Democratic nomination, assuming he runs. Oh, he's definitely running. A re-election bid by Biden has the potential to set up a 2020 rematch with former President Donald Trump, who announced his third consecutive White House bid on November 15th. Let's hop down here a little bit, see the first three comments. Allison, Biden and President Harris for four years of wide open borders will be the end of our country. Biden tops the list of the worst U.S. presidents in history followed by Obama, Clinton. Uh, Okay, so... Biden, Woodrow Wilson, Obama, Clinton. If the that's my list. If the diversity hire, President Harris, President Harris takes over when Biden can't perform at his normal one percent, our country is done. Fior Powers says, "Let me guess, Joe will do uh, the announcement via pre-recorded videotape. There will be uh, 673 attempts to make him sound coherent and be able to pronounce big words." Uh, Texcon Sin says, and 51 current and former intelligence officials signing a letter of endorsement. And Cesar Baquera, secret contract with George Lucas and Industrial Lights and Magic. Their charge, quote, make Biden look like he's alive and not a burned out mafia don. That's funny as hell. Now let's check out this video all the way up here. Big dramatic. Biden was doing an interview on the Today Show with Al Roker, and he's getting. Oh yeah! By the way, watch Joe Biden's face, and when he starts stuttering and fucking up, he says, "I want to be the guy who lays eggs." 
Everyone's like, what? That much closer to another run. Check it out. Are you saying that, uh, that you would be uh, taking part in uh, our upcoming election in 2024? Well, I'll either be rolling egg or you know, being the, the, good, you know, the guy who's pushing them out. Come on, help a, bro help a brother out. Make no, some news no, for no, me. I, well, you know, Jill Biden's face right here, watch. Come on, help a, bro help a brother out. Make some news for me. she say to him? The, the, you know, the guy who's pushing them out. Come on, help a, bro help a brother out. Make some news for me. I plan on running out, but we're not prepared to announce it yet. I plan on running, but I'm not going to announce I'm running yet. Huh? Okay, Mark Thiessen, former speechwriter for President George W. Bush. How you doing, Mark? Good morning to you. Got three topics to go through. Let's see. Good morning. See if we can cross all three off now. I think he has been consistent in saying that he plans to run, but no announcement now. What do you think? Oh, he's running. I mean, look, if, if he had had a disastrous midterm election in 2022, then the Democrats would be pushing him out. Uh, the majority of Democrats don't want him to run. They want somebody else. But there's, they've got no case to, to push him out. He, he had the best midterm performance of any president since John F. Kennedy, uh, except for George W. Bush after the 9-11 attacks. And that was largely because of the, the people rejected the alternative that the Republicans presented, not because uh, they endorsed Joe Biden. But there's, there's really no groundswell to push him out. And so if he sitting president wants the nomination, he's gonna get it <laughs> all right yeah so there's a lot to take into account here open borders gas prices world economic forum involvement ukraine russia uh business dealings from the biden family in ukraine and russia there's a lot to take into account that if biden does run and does hypothetically get elected through a certain dominion over the election system he uh <laughs> he would fundamentally gut this country to the most it's ever been now could it recover potentially i mean i i just don't know what another four years of biden would look like i'd report on for as long as there was electricity but i would imagine there'd be mass power outages uh the dollar would completely collapse in on itself and we'd have funny money forever but i, I definitely think this is definitely a form of elder abuse and again i understand the cries to have joe biden put on trial but you put Joe Biden on trial, you're not trying Joe Biden. You're trying the husk that used to house the consciousness of Joe Biden. Because as the New York Post put it best forever, or Washington Post put it best forever, I believe Taylor runs, he's a corporeal form. That being said, this has been Inside Four Walls. I've been James Masson. I'm going to throw in a little clip here at the end. I'll talk to you all later. Because you can't build a wall high enough to keep out a, 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 a vaccine. The vaccine can stop the spread of these diseases. If you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway. And it get hot. I got a lot of. I got hairy legs that turn that 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 that, that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go. You know the you know the thing. So you go ahead and you stack spaghetti sauce at a store and in, in, in a supermarket. You control the guy or the woman who runs the run, run brings out the carts on on on, on a forklift. What happened? You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you
unless you have a slight Indian accent. We choose science over fiction. We choose truth over facts. What a stupid son of a bitch. Justice, sorry as a bug. <laughs> Speaking of the environment. That, that we deal with WHO the right way. That, that in fact, that's when things began to change. We need to work again with Canada and Mexico as neighbors, not as adversaries, as adversaries. I, uh, you know, I, I, I looked at it anyway. I, that's what I think my plan, I know what my plan does. It made it 200 million people have died, probably by the time I finish this talk. That's why I made it a priority in my entire career to work closely with you. From the time I got to the Senate 180 years ago, <laughs> you know, as well as my tenure as vice president. Unnecessarily, now we have over 120 million dead from COVID. <laughs> hey, everyone. I'm Jill Biden's husband. <clears throat> well, you should vote for Trump. You should vote for Trump. Come on, man. How many push-ups you want to do here? China is going to eat our lunch. Come on, man. And I've loved kids jumping on my lap. I got them $1.9 trillion relief so far. ...workers that are gun enthusiasts, and you are actively trying to diminish our Second Amendment right and take away our guns. You're full of shit. All right, thank now, you. Now, shush. Because we cannot get re-elect, we cannot win this re-election. Excuse me, we can only re-elect Donald Trump. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Why, 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 you're getting nervous, man. But he gave me permission to touch him. By the way, this is my little sister, Valerie, and I'm Jill's husband. Oh, no, this guy. Oh, you switched on me. From 15 to 45 billion a year. Give every single teacher a raise to the equal raise of getting out the, the $60,000 level. When they just, when they just, they need to, uh, and, and bring, bring them. You're going to about to meet if you haven't already. There's no doubt about them staying oiled and lubricated. America's been drinking beer from a company that doesn't even know which restroom to use. That's why I created Conservative Dad's ultra-right, 100% woke-free beer. As conservatives, we're constantly getting hit in the face, left and right, by the woke mind virus. But the last place we want it is in our beer. If you know which bathroom to use, you know what beer you should be drinking. Stop giving money to woke corporations that hate our values.
And to the rest of you woke corporations, stay the away from our kids. Buy yours online in 42 states at ultrarightbeer.com. Tastes like freedom. <laughs>